Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is? Huh? Hump day! Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Hump Day on 101 ESPN. That's Michelle Smallman. I really am Randy Carricker. <laughs> it's not an imposter, we swear. <laughs> we swear. So just a, a little voice issue today, but we'll power through, and we're looking forward to it. Uh, my voice is kind of like the Cardinal offense lately, a little oh. inept. You know, it's there, but it's struggling. It's yeah, struggling exactly. to come exactly. out. <laughs> right. So the, the Cardinals fall 7-1 to the Royals last night. It, there was a cool part in the game. Bobby Witt Jr. hit his first Major League home run. Dakota Hudson, I thought, pitched well, Michelle. But for one of the rare times this season, the Cardinal bullpen didn't come through. The Cardinals getting just a third of an inning out of T.J. McFarland. He allows a couple of runs, and Jake Woodford allowed a couple of two. Yeah, Dakota Hudson did really well yesterday, Randy. You're right, it was the bullpen that uh, let the Cardinals down, but that's when you think that hopefully your offense has done enough to help balance that out. You, you, Whenever you have a scuffle in one portion of your team, you're hoping that the rest of it can lift you up, but the Cardinal offense, once again, just really non-existent. I'm a big proponent of the quality start Major League teams win a vast majority of the games in which a starting pitcher delivers a quality start. Mm -hmm. I thought, especially still coming back from the injury, still building up, that Dakota Hudson gave the Cardinals all they really could have expected last night. Yeah, he put them in a good position to win. He led after issuing that leadoff walk in the seventh. And that's... If you're Dakota Hudson, you should feel good about the position that you Mm -hmm. put your team in. But unfortunately, that's when it all went awry for the Cardinals. And they're still 13-10. and 10. It's still really early. They've only played 23 games. And they just need their hitting to get going. And normally, with good hitters, they eventually do get going. Hopefully, this isn't an issue that's beyond the fact that it's early in the season and we've got humidors and we've got cold weather. Hopefully, this isn't... A coaching issue, which it very well could be. Yeah, that's that's where I struggle, Randy, because it is so early and because you have seen some positive signs out of some guys. And the offense across baseball has been weird this year. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, the humidors, the baseballs, uh, the cold weather for some guys with a shortened spring training. I mean, we, we have talked to guys. Adam Wainwright had described to us what it's like for a pitcher to go from Jupiter into cold weather and that it's very difficult for your body sometimes to get adjusted. And as a rational person, I can look at all of these factors and maybe assign some of it to what we're seeing with the Cardinals offense, but it is troublesome for me when we've had the same conversation point about yeah. the Cardinals offense at some point over the past three seasons. If if it was just this year and things seemed to be a little bit off, I could say, yeah, sure. Sure, in spring training, uh, the balls, the weather, uh, look at the trends across baseball. Okay, fine. 
I could say I could understand rationally that all those things could be comp- contributing factors, but it's difficult for me to discern how much of those things are contributing to what we're seeing and how much of it is just carryover from what we've been seeing from the Cardinals offensively for the past couple seasons. And it's the same guys, right, that yes. had issues last year. It's Tyler O'Neill, it's Dylan Carlson, who ascended last year down the stretch, but weren't able to... Uh, sustain that excellence, or at least that quality, during the first uh, couple of weeks of this season. By the way, the Brewers did knock off the Reds last night, and you mentioned the Reds being horrible. Yes, terrible. Uh, they're, they're they're now 3-20, and 20, and Michelle, they're on pace. They're on pace to win 20 games. That is... A baseball team. Horrific. If, if you live in Cincinnati... What possible reason would you have to buy a ticket? You've seen Joey Votto enough. He's not enough for you to want to buy a ticket. After the owner made his comments, even though he apologized and walked them back, I'm certainly not giving that guy any of my money. And then the the product is terrible. It's awful. It, It might be the worst we've ever seen. That is... You know, baseball fans deserve more than that. The the Cincinnati Reds fans, they deserve more than that. And to think that the team in 2020 was a team, a group of guys that they felt like they had pushed all the chips in on, and then the pandemic hit, you'd think that they would look at what the Reds could have been that that year, even though they underachieved based on the talent that they had on the roster. They would look at all the circumstances surrounding that season and say, we still want to go for it. We have opened this window by acquiring a lot of these guys, and we want to continue to build around them. And in Instead, we've seen a complete erosion of that team in two seasons. All of the all of their talent, not all of it, but the majority of their talent has been stripped from the roster. It's outrageous. They're on pace to go 21 and 141. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm writing that down. 21 and 141. That is abysmal. It's just brutal. You can't spell disaster without Reds. No, you certainly can't. Wow. Meanwhile, the Blues will play the Wild in Game 2 of their series tonight, and we have the pregame for you at 7.30, a pre-pregame show at 6 here on 101 ESPN with Michelle and maybe me and Alex Ferrario. (laughs) We'll see. Tea and honey. Tea, honey, and lemon. That'll help. I'm going to be powering through today with tea and honey. You're a gamer. Uh, So Craig Berube spoke to the media yesterday and asked if he was happy with the Blues' sustained offensive zone time in Game 1. Yeah, just not enough. Um, There was some good good stuff for sure. Um, I thought that uh, Bozak line did a good job of that for us in the game. But, um, you know, we need more. And they're capable of it. They need more. But the other lines, aside from the Bozak line, especially the O'Reilly line, are very capable of it. Absolutely. They are capable of it, and they do need more. And it's a good place for the Blues to be in, to think about where they were and still be able to come away with a victory in Game 1 on the road and have room for improvement. The fact that you haven't seen the best from the Blues yet is awesome, but also scary if you're Minnesota. But that being said, a 4 nothing win in Game 1, so how do you make adjustments after a 4 nothing win? Yeah, well, you always, you like, you look at the video and then you go over it with your team, some of the things that, uh, you know, they're going to maybe try to do or what they want to do better and, and then what we can do better and, uh, what, you know, how, how can we do something a little different to expose them somehow. You know, those are the types of things you try to look at for adjustments. The Blues are very fortunate to have the coaching staff that they do, aren't they? Jimmy Montgomery and Steve Ott and Mike Van Ryan, they do such a good job. And we might not see the adjustments that they make tonight because they'll be subtle, but they'll make adjustments that 
Minnesota will not have seen on Monday night. And that's the thing about this blue team. You're right. The coaching staff does an outstanding job. And the fact that you're in a position after game one on the road to only have to make subtle adjustments mm-hmm. in order for you to feel like you're putting your team in the best position to win. Conversely, if you're the Minnesota Wild, your game plan didn't work. The, your, your game plan against the Blues to out outbody them and and try to frustrate them. It didn't work. So they have a lot more to adjust. They're probably go- have gone to the drawing board, I would imagine, Monday night after the game. Yeah. And they're thinking, what can we do here? Because clearly plan A did not work. Now, Minnesota's captain, Jared Spurgeon, tried to break Pavel Buchnevich's ankle with a cross check and t- uh, turn the ankle towards the ice. He was fined $5,000, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Now they've told the rest of the NHL, Okay, you make $7 million, but we'll fine you 5000 if you try to hurt somebody. Absolutely. And I don't know. I know that it's the playoffs, and I know that the NHL is going to be very wary about suspending someone. But after watching that video and seeing the clear intent to injure him, there was no other, there, there was nothing about that that was a hockey play. It was not a bang, bang. I'm going to look at it from several different angles to try to see how this went down type of play. There's one clear angle of him taking his stick and jamming it into Pavel Buchnevich's Achilles slash ankles. The only reason to do that is with the intent to right. harm. If there is a blues player that says, eh, kind of get it, it's Braden Shen. <laughs> Listen, I think we're we're all on both teams. We're all four for playing hard and physical. And, um, you know, I think he's seen a guy in a vulnerable position and obviously he's probably tried to hurt him. But I don't think he's that type of player. I think it's maybe in the, in the moment where um, he's frustrated and, and uh, you know, tried to take a shot at him. But, hey, uh, we're glad Gucci's okay. And and uh, the league kind of handles it the, the way they can. And we can't really do anything about it. You move on. And the and, uh, uh, good thing is I uh, got another game against them tomorrow night. And, and uh, there's really nothing to do about uh, what the league thinks of, of the play. Okay, Michelle. So Blues are up 4-1 in game four. They lead the series three games to none. Mm-hmm. Third period, game four. Do you go get Spurgeon if you're Braden Shen? Of course you do. Uh, don't let his tone fool you. The only thing you need to zero in in right there is a good thing we have another game against him tomorrow night. Right. They yeah. have already thought about this, and you know that if it's anybody that's going to make this right, it's going to yep. be Braden Shen. The Celtics played last night, and they beat the Bucks in game two of their series, 109-86. Jason Tatum is one of the best players in the NBA. Tatum drives down his city. Who do you got in the Super Bowl tonight? Oh, the St. Louis Rams. Oh, he can't let it go. The St. Louis Rams. It's time for the Jason Tatum Minute on Carriker and Smallman. Gotta go here. Tatum inside. Oh, my goodness. The ball movement. Five contusion has knocked it out. Austin's lead is 12. Tatum trying to take over here, and he finds Brown. Brown has not shot it well in the second half. Gives it right back. Tatum is open. Three-pointer. Jason Tatum. So, Michelle, he's there at crunch time. Finishes with 29 points, three rebounds, eight assists. But, most importantly... The Greek freak Giannis mm-hmm. finishes 11, 11 of 27 from the floor. 28 points, but 11 of 27. I expected this from Jason Tatum. I'm glad Jalen Brown got himself going as well. Mm-hmm. But And reading Jason Tatum's comments after game one when he said, I'm pissed. 
we sh- we should be upset with the way that we performed. This is what happens when you have a superstar that gets angry. You know there's going to be a big time response. And when you're the biggest star on the team, it's your responsibility to step up and set the tone. And that's exactly what Jason Tatum did. Mo- did when the Celtics needed their their guys and Brown and Tatum, yep. they answered the bell. It was pretty cool. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Ask Uncle Randy. It's Wednesday. You gotta ask Uncle Randy today on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. The mind is strong this morning for Uncle Randy. So get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, what do we got? First one from the 636. Dear Uncle Randy, on Monday, I accidentally didn't wear the shirt that I wore during the 2019 playoffs. Do I wear that shirt for game two tonight or the shirt that I wore for Monday night when they won for tonight's game? This is a situation, and tell me if you agree, Michelle, of what have you done for me lately? I totally go with the shirt that you wore on Monday night. I mean, we don't have Gloria anymore. That's right. We, we can't just count on what worked in 2019 to work in 2022. So if you want to change things up, I'm all for it. I have no problem with that at all. Yeah, you need to go with what's working. It's just like goaltending. You go mm-hmm. with the hot hand. Yeah. You don't pull the shirt that worked for you game one. Would you pull Billy Huso after game one? Absolutely not. No. And I have, by the way, I use my Stanley Cup Champions t-shirt as uh, my my pajama top. And I've got uh, Blues pajama pants. So uh, I'm good. I'm good to go. I even have a Blues Snuggie at home. I forgot about the Blues Snuggie. Now, did you utilize that in 2019? Did you have it then? Sometimes for the late games, yeah. Okay. So it still has a good juju in it. It, I love uh, that. It still does, yeah. All right, from the 636, next one. Dear Uncle Randy, my 15-year-old son has prom this weekend, and it's his first date. Should I let him borrow my nicer car or have him take another one? And how late should I allow him to stay out? 15? 15-year-old son, correct. He shouldn't be driving without a license, right? 16 is the oh, yeah, f- age of 15, legal driving. Totally. Yeah, so no, you don't let him take yeah, your no, nice car. Yeah, no, good call. I didn't even catch drive, that. Good call, Randy. Yeah. This is why you're a parent and I'm yeah, not. Yeah, take the <laughs> let him take the lesser vehicle if you're going to let him drive at all. If he's 16, he's inexperienced. Let him take the lesser car. But He uh, should just be happy he has wheels, period, right? right? Yeah, if he's yeah. 16. And, and just have uh, tell him to have a good time and make good choices. So what is there um, a curfew that you set for a teenager? Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember. I think mine was like pretty early. I would say for 16, I would say in 2022, midnight would be fair. Midnight. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what what type of dad were you, Randy? Were you sitting up waiting for your kids to come home at curfew or did you just trust that they were going to get it done? My kids got home and I had 100% trust in them. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was waiting in the, in the, the chair. He was waiting in the chair. I I was waiting in the chair, but I was watching something. Oh, yeah. He always had SportsCenter on or something, but he knew (laughs) knew that I was likely going to be late. So he was waiting in the chair. (laughs) Um, This one's interesting. By the way, one of these days we'll have to have you tell the story about uh, when you went for the date that he didn't know about. Should I just do it now? Yeah, go ahead. This is a great. This is a great Uncle Randy learning moment here. It was a great Michelle learning moment, too. Let me tell you. So freshman year, I didn't. 
Okay, let's let's back up. So back in my days, kid, there there were no cell phones. There was only a landline. So you could not reach someone. If if you made plans with someone, you could not reach them. The plans were set in stone and you had to follow the plans. So freshman year, I'm a, a full year younger than all of my friends. So I'm let's say fourteen, but some of the people that were in my in my class were turning sixteen if they were much older. So football game Friday night rival football game big deal when you're a freshman big deal Randy uh, I'm getting ready to go I come out into the living room my dad's like what are you dressed up for where are you going I was like oh so and so a boy is coming to pick me up and drive me to the football game and my dad's like no he's not you didn't clear that with me and you're not allowed to date yet and I'm like well dad I already hung up with him on the landline. He's coming, so I'm gonna go. And he's like, okay, well, you know the rules and here's here's your options here. You can either take door number one and when he shows up, you can disobey the rules. You can go with him and you can see what happens. You can see what's waiting for you when you get home. Or you can, when he gets here, tell him that, hey, I'm sorry, we have a rule. I misspoke. My dad's going to drive me to the game. I'll see you there. We'll have a great time. And then my dad's going to drive me home. And I was like, oh my God, what are you talking about? Of course I'm going with him, dad. How mortifying. <laughs> I can't tell him no. And when I got home, I was greeted by my dad who was waiting in the chair and I was grounded for three months. Three months. I had to miss the homecoming dance, everything. Wow. That like, doesn't seem like it was worth it. Door it number one. Definitely wasn't worth it. He was not that cool, Randy. Um, but... Uh, I didn't disobey my dad again no. in high school. Let me t- well, I probably well, did, but at least I was sneakier about and it. And here's the thing. Sorry, Dad. You didn't really disobey. He gave you options. He gave he me gave options. You choices. Door number one and number two. And he he said there's going to be consequences for door number one. So I, I admire that parenting approach. Yeah, he was very even keel, which is scary. When your parents approach you yeah. and it's like Braden Shen. When he's not angry or you don't hear it in his voice, that's when you should be scared. <laughs> right. Well, my dad says... Sure, you can go, but you're going to have something waiting here for you. Consequences. <laughs> the consequences of your actions will be waiting for you when you arrive home. I should have been like, hmm, he doesn't seem to be that angry. This is a trap. And mm-hmm. it, indeed, it was. <laughs> well, let me tell you, he set the tone for uh, what I was going to do in high school. Right. Freshman year, good play by him. That's right. Okay. From the 314, Dear Uncle Randy and Aunt Michelle, my girlfriend and I broke up around St. Patrick's Day, so a couple months ago. One of her friends that's in our group just became single. Would it be okay if I ask her out? FYI, I'm not doing this to get back up my ex, just genuinely interested in her. Yes, it's 100% cool, I, I think. And uh, hey, if you're with a group of people, uh, it's pretty natural that you are going to develop an attraction to somebody in a group like that and even if it was for revenge i wouldn't say no she probably is going to say no though if the friend yeah Yeah. if the friend is going to have a girl code and she's likely going to say no and then she's going to tell her friend and it's probably going to be some drama there um but i don't think there's anything wrong with you asking if you're interested in her all she can do is say no yes I think that you should definitely shoot your shot, but just know that she's probably going to feel a certain type of way about it and not want to upset her friend. There's absolutely more loyalty to the friend than there is to you. For sure. From the 618, this one is very interesting, Randy. Dear Randy and Michelle, the Uncle Randy and Aunt Michelle, what do you think of Jim Edmonds being the Cardinals hitting coach? He's very knowledgeable. He can break down every Cardinals hitter, and he definitely knows the game and what every pitcher is trying to do to the Cardinals lineup. Thanks, Cousin Brad. Cousin Brad, great question. 
I would love to see it. I don't know what Jimmy's desire for working that hard would be. I mean, those coaches, they're getting to the ballpark at 10 in the morning for a 7 o'clock game. They stay after the game for a couple of hours. There's a lot that goes into it. I do think, however, that the Cardinals should embrace Jim Edmonds as another resource for their hitters. He, I can't imagine that if he took the job that he would keep it that long because it's it's a lot of work. It's a grind, and, and yeah. he's got a life. He's got little kids, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and he's uh, made his money. Right, he doesn't he right. doesn't need that job. No, he he certainly doesn't. And I think it's different than a guy like McGuire. And by the way, Mark, he he left because he wanted to be a dad, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So, so I love the idea of Jim Edmonds interacting with the Cardinal hitters because he gets hitting, he knows hitting. But I don't think the hitting coach is the answer. It it, it would be the answer if if he was willing to work and they wanted him. But I don't think right now him being a full-time coach is something that he'd be interested in. But if you're the Cardinals and you see that players are gravitating towards him for counsel and they're seeing results and those results are based on advice that might be in opposition to what you're preaching in-house, that would be interesting for me. And again, yeah. I don't know philosophically what he's what he's telling guys and how it is in alignment with what is the Cardinals' offensive philosophy, but I certainly would be paying a lot of attention to that if I'm the Cardinals because he it, he's one of your guys. He's He is a Cardinal legend, and if he is imparting this knowledge and it's paying dividends for your players, that's something that you should really want to capture, right? Yep, and, and the Cardinals have big investments in people like Carlson and O'Neal and DeYoung, obviously. So if you have those investments, maximize them in any way that you can. Yes. For sure. And in the same vein, from the 636, dear Uncle Randy needs some advice. Is it wrong at this point if I'm rooting against Paul DeYoung? Give me a reason to want this experiment to continue. Well, I want the team to be better. And the guy has had four seasons where he's hit 19 or more home runs. He's hit 30 home runs in a season. So you know the physical skill set is there. But he is just all domed up. So... It's, it's not wrong. You can root against anybody you want. And it's not wrong if you think that Sosa is a better option. They aren't moving Tommy Edmond to short this year. He hasn't spent a minute at shortstop since the start of the truncated spring training. And as you've read, Derek Gould has chronicled it. Katie Wu had a great piece at The Athletic yesterday. Mm-hmm. How they don't, they, they are totally, completely sold on Nolan Gorman's gold glove ability. I think, Michelle, we tend to forget that Matt Carpenter and Jose Martinez played for this team. They gave up defense for offense, and that did not go well. And so right now, this team, this pitching staff, is set up to play defense. My hope would be that either DeYoung or Sosa would get the opportunity and run with it. And it doesn't look like it's going to happen with DeYoung. But right now, if I'm the manager, I would put Sosa in there. And, well, now he's got COVID. So it's mm-hmm. going to be DeYoung for the foreseeable future. But when when uh, Sosa is back, I'd let him try to run with it. Yeah, I'm glad that John Mozalek has a longer memory than we do because I had forgotten about the Jose Martinez days at first mm-hmm. base. Love you, buddy. Great guy. Mm-hmm. But, but we remember what that was like. That was bad, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And by the way, I speaking of maximizing hitters, one idea for the Cardinals 
would be to get Paul DeYoung on a Zoom with Mark McGuire. We mentioned it yesterday. DeYoung needs to pick out one guy. And if the Cardinals would say, okay, Mark, will you work with DeYoung? You have a lot of similar traits for, from in terms of your hitting approach. I would be really intrigued to see how that would work. Me too. I would, I would love for them to just have Mark McGuire on speed dial to do yeah. any sort of video counseling at any time. He should be a part of the organization. He absolutely yep. should. And um, he's uh, we saw him on opening day in the room with the Red Jacket guys. He loves the Cardinals and he loves St. Louis. It's it's a good, a good relationship to have. Next year, Mark McGuire is going to be back in baseball. If he's not back in baseball as a member of the Cardinals, it's criminal. It's it's baseball malpractice on their part <laughs> because he wants to be a member of that organization. Do you think that he'll eventually be a, ba- a manager? I don't think so now. Just because of the time? Yeah, he's and he's 61. Mm-hmm. And every manager that gets hired now is young. I would have loved to see what he would have been like as a manager. Me I too. think he would have been I think great. he would have been really good. Me too. One time, Brian Billick, I think the Jaguars were looking for a coach, and he had been away from the game for a couple of years, the former coach of the Ravens. And one of the great lines ever, uh, on NFL Network, Brian Billick was asked whether or not he had any interest in the Jaguars' job. And he said, they want young and cheap, and I'm neither. (laughs) That's a great line. Uh, From the 314, and I love this, it's... A-U-R. They just say R, like ask Uncle Randy. Oh, they've, yeah. they've shortened I like it. that. Good. Yeah, R. Uncle Randy, with Mother's Day coming up, would you recommend a custom Schnooks cookie cake as a gift for mom? 100%. Yes. That is a great move. Get a happy Mother's Day custom cookie cake at Schnooks. Yes, I would I would recommend everybody in St. Louis do that. And it's not just because Schnooks is a great partner of ours, but... Their cookie cakes are delicious. I had one the other night. It's gone, Michelle. It's Our, our family's cookie cake is gone. In, it was gone in 24 hours. So you're going to get another one for Game 2 well, tonight. Yeah. It's on deck. <laughs> I love it. And lastly, from the 3 and 4, Dear Uncle Randy, are you uh, drinking Mountain Dew and taking Sudafed today? Your voice sounds a little hoarse, and as we all know, that'll clear it right up. Michelle, what am I holding in my hand? A almost empty bottle of Mountain Dew. And I did wash down some Sudafed this morning when I got in my car. So, yes. Um, and it really doesn't matter what what illness, what ailment you're dealing with. Uh, ultimately, Sudafed and Mountain Dew are going to cure it. I'll sound great by the end of the show. I was just going to say, I think your voice has gotten better from segment one to segment two. Yeah. Yeah. So, and thanks to, uh, well, it's vitamin C, first of all. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Sudafed is powerful stuff. That high octane Sudafed, the stuff that they use out in Frank or Jefferson County. <laughs> Man, that's powerful stuff. The stuff they lock up? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up, we have an early edition of Wednesdays with Wayno. The Cardinals with the noon game today in Kansas City. Wayno's pitching today, so we recorded him yesterday. But Adam Wainwright, Wednesdays with Wayno, next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Getting you inside the cards. Inside corner, and he struck him out. That's strikeout number 1,000 at Bush Stadium for Adam Wainwright. It's Redbirds pitcher Adam Wainwright on 101 ESPN. Third time through the lineup, he strikes out seven, and he strikes out the side in the seventh inning. Presented by Chick-fil-A. Earn points on your next mobile order with the Chick-fil-A app.
Welcome back to Character and Smallman. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. We go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And welcome to the show, as we do every Wednesday, Roberto Clemente Award winner and the founder of Big League Impact, Adam Wainwright. Good morning, Adam. How you doing? Morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. We're always honored to have you join us. And we're also honored and excited about June 3rd for the trivia night at Patio's to benefit Big League Impact. And it's great that you do this. And Adam, you have to be so proud that so many of your teammates are involved with this, too. Well, I am very proud. And I'm, I'm just proud of being their teammate. These guys do a lot of stuff in their communities uh, where they live and also in St. Louis to help people. And uh, we just have a a bunch of guys in the clubhouse that have really giving and caring hearts, and it's good to be teamed up with them. And if you go to bigleagueimpact.org, you can get involved with the trivia night, and Michelle and I and Brad Thompson will be there along with Adam and uh, several of his teammates. Meanwhile, Adam, Sunday is Mother's Day, and at The Cup here in St. Louis, you can go to cravethecup.com, 10% of their Mother's Day collection benefits Big League Impact. So if you go buy a cupcake for your mom for Mother's Day at The Cup, you'll have the opportunity to help out Big League Impact as well. Are you a cupcake guy, or were you before you started eating super healthy man i love cupcakes my wife um her favorite food in the world well her two favorite foods in the world are donuts and cupcakes um and she she the last when she had sadie my littlest daughter uh she developed a gluten allergy for whatever reason and so she hasn't been able to uh eat them the same but before that and that's probably it's probably gonna work out for us in the long run because her and she and I just used to eat copious amounts of, of cupcakes and donuts, so it's probably better in the long run we don't. But uh, if you are going out there, everybody loves cupcakes. Moms love cupcakes especially. So if you're going to do it, the cup, they're donating 10% of their online Mother's Day collection sales, and that is just such a big, uh, unbelievable gesture by them. But um, thanks for, for helping your mothers out by one thing, because they want cupcakes anyways, and so help. Help, might as well help Big League Impact in the in the process, right, Michelle? Absolutely. Why not, Adam? I think it's a great collab. <laughs> and by the way, uh, the the baseball lifestyle is great, and you make a lot of money, and you have a lot of fun, and you get a chance to to compete. But not everything is positive, and especially for a guy like you, being away from your family on Mother's Day is probably one of those days of the baseball season where you think, man, I wish I could be home. And let me tell you, when we left, so my uh, my kids, traditionally I have them with me all the time during the season. And this last year, or this last couple of weeks, um, and, and really this whole season, they've been kind of back and forth. As my daughters have gotten older, they've just got more and more. My my oldest daughter is in high school now, and she's got she's plugged in some things that she can't miss. She's on the golf team. She's in this big club there that you know that is you know, doing all kinds of activities all the time. And so it's hard for them to miss those things. And as they've gotten older, they get plugged in with their friend groups and whatever. And so it, it is hard to be away from, from my wife on Mother's Day and not see my mom on Mother's Day. But I'll tell you the hardest thing about this whole process is this last couple of weeks, I didn't see him for three weeks. We uh, we went out of town for 10 days, and, and uh, then they stayed at home for, for – uh, a couple of weeks after that. And so they got back the night before we left. The next day was a 12-10 game. So they got back at like 6.30 that night. I saw them for a couple of hours, and then I had to get up in the morning and leave uh, to go out of town for another week-long road trip. And my daughter was just so upset. Mm. And just that's so hard to leave them when they're like that, you know. And um, 
that's you know I have the greatest job in the world. I really believe that I have, I have the greatest job in the world. Being especially being a starting pitcher in the big leagues, major league baseball, it's the only thing I ever wanted to do in my entire life. But the hardest thing to do is to leave your family. That and and and, uh, and when they get start getting older and they get upset, man, that's real. That's really hard. You know, it's tough. Oh, Adam, you just pulled on my heartstrings with that one. I feel for you there. That can't be easy. But I want to go from one cup to another. I saw you tweeting about this. The St. Louis Blues handle business in game one of the playoffs. Game one, round one. What did you think of our St. Louis Blues? Man, that was so fun. I, I got I went up to uh, Goldie's room, and me and Golden, and Goldie and uh, Arnado sat there and and watched the the game and and the first first two periods, and then we we each had to kind of start winding down a little bit. So we each went back to our room, but we all watched it, and and uh, man, I was just so proud of him, you know. And our guy, our, our goaltender was unbelievable. I thought I thought O'Reilly was just playing a physical game. Shin was looking great. Glad, glad, glad he's back out there skating around, causing havoc like he always does. And, and uh, you know, we had our guy with the hat trick. I mean, it's just so fun. You know, it's just so fun. And, and I just know even even all the way over here in Kansas City, there's a bunch of Blues fans over here too. So um, it was cool to see the local ESPN broadcast pick up the, the Blues game and be able to watch it here in the hotel and, and uh, cheer – Cheer those guys on because I, you know, I know when when we're getting into the playoffs, they're cheering for us, and when they, when they get in the playoffs, we're cheering for them. And there's really nothing like, I mean, you know, Bush Stadium's rocking too. But when they sell out that Blues game and they get the 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 crowd rocking, they do such a good job with stadium ops over there. That is just a unbelievable environment and that makes you become a blues fan real quick doesn't it oh absolutely i i think the blues do the best game day presentation of almost any team i've ever seen adam you're absolutely right but as you mentioned they'll be supporting you you're supporting them you know a lot of the guys on the team you guys are all team st louis but do you think the cardinals and blues thrive on each other's success like if you know the blues are doing really well you're thinking hmm, we better step it up too of course of course and but i think that just goes into St. Louis sports and what our fans expect. I mean, our fans expect us to go out and be winners, you know, and, and that's in hockey and that's in, in baseball. And that was in, in football when they were there. And that's going to be in soccer when they get rolling there with the, with the city. Um, I mean, the St. Louis sports base is as loyal and, and passionate as anybody I've ever seen, but they expect us to win and uh, we expect to win too. So we have a great family here. Hey, Adam, it's really interesting that you bring that up because uh, when you guys split with a team like Arizona, you're playing a team like Kansas City now, there's a perception out there that the Cardinals should just walk over. Even sometimes in the morning, Michelle and I will walk in and say, they're, they're playing Cincinnati. They should sweep Cincinnati. Like it's simple and like the the guys that you're playing against aren't major league players. It seems like pretty much every game that you play is a real competition, and we probably take for granted that you guys do win as much as you do because you're you're facing a lot of teams' best shot, and they can all play. Well, the baseball players in the major leagues are the best players in all of the world. I mean, it's just no getting around it. That's just the way it is. And uh, everybody is supremely talented. Everybody has um, unique gifts that make them special talents and special competitors. And and uh, it, it is a tough game. It, I mean, just, and anybody can beat anybody on any given day. That that is why you just don't want to get into that one game wild card situation. You know, last year we played the Dodgers, and uh, if you ask Max Scherzer, I mean, their their whole team was 
so nervous. They won 105 games or 104 games, and they were just, you know, really worried because they had to play us, who was the hottest team in baseball at the time, in a one-game playoff. You win 104 games, you expect to win the division. You don't win the division, now you got to go in and play the hottest team in the game. Anybody can beat anybody in any, in, in any given day. And baseball is, is a thing where the starting pitcher has the ability to not – not necessarily completely win the game, but if a starting pitcher goes out and dominates, it's going to be very, very tough to beat them that day. A starting pitcher also has the ability to go out there and completely tank the game in five seconds. You know, that's why the starting pitcher is given a lot of liberties on the day that they're pitching because their, their performance control, controls a lot of the outcome of the game. But there's, the hitters in the major leagues, are so talented. I was talking with Nolan and Goldie last night, and they were telling me the, the the fact that a guy can throw 100 miles an hour, that's fine. That makes it a little tougher. But, you know, unless you're out there pitching and locating it, they're going to square it up eventually. These, these hitters in the big leagues are so talented. Uh, the defenses are, are so um, legitimate and, and so efficient. You know, when you go down, like when I, I used to go down, unfortunately, a couple times to uh, – the minor leagues to do rehab assignments and you go down there and the, the guys are just not ready yet and the positioning's different and it, it, it seems like the game is slow you know it's just the guys are almost in quicksand down there compared to the big leagues and the higher you go the better it gets obviously but the big leagues is fast you know it, it might seem on tv like it's a slow game kind of like watching hockey on tv you can't understand how fast the game is being played mm-hmm. in baseball the game is really 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 fast really crisp uh, you know, a bang bang play on every play. You bob with a, a half a second, not even a half a second. The guy's safe. The dimensions are perfect. It's a wonderful game, but it is a tough game. Adam Wainwright with us on Character and Smallman. His second annual trivia night is June third over at Patios. More coming up right after this. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on One Hundred and One ESPN. It's Wednesdays with Wayno with Cardinal right-hander Adam Wainwright on 101 ESPN. I want to ask you, speaking of rehab, about your teammate Miles Michaelis. You know, we're just observers, Adam, of what you do. You're on the inside. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think heading into the season, a lot of us observers didn't really know what to expect out of Miles Michaelis because he had battled a lot of injuries. But he comes in. He looks amazing. One, 1.52 ERA. He's been so sharp and healthy. It's great to see him back to form. But as somebody that's seen him when he's healthy and has seen the process from Miles Michaelis, do you think that all of us observers were sleeping on him? Well, I, I mean, you have to realize Miles is incredibly talented, and so much of what we do success-wise in the big leagues is about health. And when he was healthy, when you know he was an absolute superstar in Japan, and I'm not saying Japan is the exact same as the big leagues, but it's a pretty dang good brand of baseball, and he was a superstar over there. I mean, superstar. And so he comes over here, his first year pitches the same way, what was he, 18-4 and four with like a 2-9 or something? I mean, just a great year, really great year. And he just doesn't walk people. He comes right at you with his stuff in the zone. He's got four pitches he can throw for strikes. He goes up and down, in and out, and that's pitching. And that's what he does when he's healthy. When he wasn't pitching the same way last year a little bit and the year before, it was because he was injured. You know, he had some things he was battling through. I know exactly how that feels. You want to go out there and compete. You want to help your team. There's sometimes when you're physically unable to go at the level that, that your team and your 
your city needs you to go at, and you have to sit out a little bit. And that's what he did. He got healthy. But now you see a guy who's healthy and the ability he has. When he's healthy, he's one of the best pitchers in the game. Adam, that brings to mind a few years ago when you were listening to the SiriusXM Fantasy Show and somebody took you in the sixth or seventh round and you called in. They were sleeping on you after you'd missed <laughs> most of 2015 with the Achilles, and you used that as a chip on your shoulder, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. Now, I always put chips on my shoulder, and you know that. I, I'll put things up there. Somebody will say, yeah, I took you in the sixth round, or, or somebody will say, I took you in the second round. And I was like, what? It was a <laughs> drafted before me you know like I'll, you drafted me second overall who what who'd you think trout was better than me like i'll put any chip on my shoulder you know just to try to motivate me um but uh that those are things that i've used my whole life you know that the uh the i'll prove you wrong kind of situation has always um been a motivating factor for me and so um you know unfortunately that year you know my arm felt great my body felt great but my achilles made it very tough to pitch at the same level or i would have been that would have been great, man. The the Achilles thing set me back for a, a, a little bit longer than I wanted it to. You know, it it was uh, physically I was able to go out and compete, but my foot was not able to stick my landing, and so I was spinning off more than normal. I couldn't drive through my pitch, and you know, it's all things that people don't really care about here and now. But it made it tough for a couple of years, and it, it took me a lot of uh, took a lot of, of of adjustments and different kind of workouts and stuff to finally get past that. So with that being the case, your injuries have prevented you from getting to 200 wins so far. And 200 wins will get you into the conversation for the Hall of Fame. Is that a motivator for you, 200 wins? Absolutely. I mean, you know, of course it is. Because if I win, if I win enough games to get to 200 uh, wins this year, then that means our team won a lot of games I pitched. And that's the main thing about it, right? Like, of course I want the, the 200 wins because that's cool and that's a great number. But if, if we get to 200 wins this year – that means our teams won a lot of the games I started, which that's what really matters to me. You know, I want the personal achievements. Don't get me wrong. Those are cool. Those are great. But what I want more than that is to win. Uh, and I want to win a World Series. And if, if me going out and pitching and getting to 200 wins, you know, if we're going to win them anyways, it might as well get me to win too, Randy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. So uh, it would be fun for me to get that number. It's a, it's a cool thing, you know. Um, but more than anything, our, our teams are winning – if my team's winning the games, I go out there and pitch. That's what really matters to me. That's the most important stat in the game, no matter what anybody says, is the, is the win. Because at the end of the day, if you're if you're twenty and twenty and one hundred and forty-two, it doesn't matter a hill of beans if you have the lowest ERA in the league. You know, so that doesn't matter. So you got to have those Ws to go with. Adam, I need you to be a tiebreaker for us on a debate we had here on the show. So we hadn't talked to you since your uh, your dust up with the Mets, and um, Randy and I did a little bit of a draft. It was an NFL draft day. We don't have a draft, or uh, excuse me, an NFL team here in St. Louis. So we drafted Cardinals players, current Cardinals players that we would want behind us if our team threw down. And I drafted you. You were on my team. You came in. I'm I'm sorry, you weren't my number one overall pick, but you came in at number four on my squad. And a lot of people were saying that you were too nice and that I shouldn't have drafted you, but I said that that could actually work to our benefit, that you might diffuse the situation. So I need you to tell me, was I smart or foolish to draft you as somebody to have on my side if we got into a fight? Well, a couple things you got to know, right? I am definitely a lover um, (laughs) more than I am a fighter. Um, But uh, I'm a big fella. (laughs) And uh, I grew up wrestling. You know, I grew up mm-hmm. wrestling with boys in the backyard and, and getting after it. And, and uh, the, you know, the, the 
sometimes the people that sneak up on you the most are the nice guys. Oh, yeah. So, you know, those, those are the ones that, uh, that sometimes you don't want to mess with, you know. But I'm going to try to do everything I can to not get out there and fight. I mean, I, I know one thing. There's a lot. My kids are watching. A lot of kids are watching. Um, so I try to be a good role model and, and, and all that. That that matters to me. Um, but if somebody messes with my catcher, they're going to have a big problem on their hands from South Georgia. The South Georgia will come out of me if somebody messes with my catcher. I'll tell you that. Adam, we are in lockstep here. That's exactly why I drafted you because I said Adam is the ultimate teammate and my number one overall pick is Yadier Molina. I said there is no way that Wayno is not going to throw down for his brother. And just so you know, our entire squad, Yadi, Tyler O'Neill, Goldie, you, Stubby Clap, and our sixth man is Miles Michaelis. I think we have a pretty good shot. Oh, somebody had to take Miles. This guy's built like a minotaur. <laughs> you know, he, he is a, is a specimen of a man. But, you know, I have rules in life. And one of my rules is you never mess with somebody with neck tattoos. <laughs> and Yachty has neck tattoos all over his neck. And so that means he's got a little crazy in him, right? Uh-huh. That means you, you just mess with people with neck tattoos. Just a, It's just a good rule of thumb. You know, kids out there listening, <laughs> if it's somebody with neck tattoos, you just keep walking and you say, yes, sir, and you just keep going. Don't worry about it. <laughs> good advice. Hey, before we let you go, and you pitch against the Royals and then head to San Francisco, so you don't have to pitch against the Giants and three night games. Is there any golf on the horizon in the Bay Area for Adam Wainwright? Uh, usually there is. We'll see how it goes. Um, we'll see how it goes. You never can tell, Randy. I'm, I'm, uh, I love getting out there and, and, and walking some of the, the, the best terrains in the, in the entire world in our country. We have some of the best golf courses. Um, and, and that Mark Twain was crazy. Golf is not a good walk spoiled. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a walk enjoyed. And, and I love getting out there and seeing the different states and the different countries or different, uh, um, courses that we have, you know, there's just each of the topographies are so different and, and unique and the, the grasses are different, man. It, I love that stuff. And so, um, we're probably going to get out there. We'll see. Good, good for you. Hey, we're so looking forward to June 3rd. We advise people to go to bigleagueimpact.org to get signed up, and we will see you at the ballpark when you guys return home. Have a safe trip. Thanks. Yeah, trivia night June 3rd, and then we got Top Golf on June 12th. So June's going to be a big month for Big League Impact. We love all your support. Appreciate it, guys. Adam Wainwright with us on 101 ESPN, and you can sign up for Top Golf and for the Trivia Night by going to bigleagueimpact.org. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Now get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Take it or leave it. Coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it. Or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, Matthew, and Randy for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Michelle, the NFL just announced their international schedule for 2022. They'll play a couple of games at Tottenham Hotspurs Stadium. They'll play one at Wembley Stadium in London. They'll play their first ever game in Germany. And then they're going to play in Estadio Azteca. The 49ers and Cardinals will play in Mexico City on November 21st. This will be the 2022 season. Take It or Leave It by 23rd. The NFL will have an internationally based team, whether it's Canada, Mexico, Europe. 
I'm going to leave it. Even though I know that they would probably like to, I just don't see that being a good business move for them. I agree with the the Europe part, but I wonder if they could enhance their footprint by being in Mexico City. I don't know. It seems to be a pretty uh, Americanized sport. Mm-hmm. We love it here. It does not. It, it seems like more of a novelty item in other countries to where your, people show yeah. up because it's an event, because right. it's something that's coming to town. I don't know if the interest would be there week after week. To your point, when uh, w- when there was a game in uh, in Mexico in the past. They didn't sell out, and then they had all kinds of problems with the turf. However, when they have soccer games in L.A. where 50% of the population is Hispanic, they sell out soccer games at the Rose Bowl in a blink, international soccer games. So I'm with you from that perspective. I just think they want to globalize. By the way, Mexico City is not the safest place to be right now either. No, I don't think so. Not that St. Louis is. I've always said you can't swing a dead cat around Munich without hitting a Derek Brooks jersey. So I think it makes perfect (laughs) sense. I think it makes perfect sense. Take it or leave it. Vladimir Tarasenko scores the first goal tonight. I'm going to take that, Michelle. I think that's a great call. It just makes sense. He wants to get on the board. That line wants to get on the board. And, yeah, the Blues will get the lead and they'll win the game. Set the tone. Yep. Be up 2-0 in the series. Matthew, what do you got? Oh, I like this one. Take it or leave it. Baltimore Ravens was the perfect landing spot for Mizzou Tiger Tyler Beatty. I'm going to take that. I didn't realize that he had spent 10 years of his life in Baltimore, but you've got Dobbins and Gus Edwards coming back from injuries. Last year, you had people like Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell. Someone's got to catch the ball. Yeah. Out of oh. the backfield. Those guys aren't those guys are right. receivers out of the backfield. Beatty is. I love that. Yeah. So... I think that's a really good spot. And they will give a sixth-round draft choice a chance. And I'm just glad that he landed in an organization that is stable and that's mm-hmm. go- that he can actually learn something and be put in a good position. It's a strange organization in that they traded Hollywood Brown and did not take a single receiver in the draft. Yeah, that is bizarre. I like it. I love what they do there. 314, SLU and Mizzou will play each other in basketball in the next five years. I'll take it. They should. Yeah, it just makes sense, right? Yeah, I'll take that. This is the real one for today. Five, seven, three. All right, here we go. Take it or leave it. Cold pizza is better than hot pizza. Oh, no, no, leave no, it. no, no. I've no. never had cold pizza in my life. Disgusting. What? Cold, cold pizza is Ugh. not Wait, better. Hold on a moment. Sickening. Than hot pizza. You've never had, like, you've never had. No. You never put takeout in, in, the, in the fridge. Yeah. After a night of like hanging out, and then in the morning when you need a little emergency sustenance, eat like one piece of pizza from the fridge? No. I think that's what? more of a guy thing. Oh when ESPN2 started, their morning show was called Cold Pizza. Oh, Are you not a leftovers person overall? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's kind of yeah, it's kind of hard to get you get you past it. The most cold things pizza are, thing if you don't like leftovers. Let's take something delicious and then make it cold and congealed and disgusting <laughs> yeah. and consume it. Great yeah. idea. Most things are not great oh, as, in terms of leftovers. Like you can't do potatoes. Any kind of potato you can't do leftover, right? Can't whether it's mashed or fried. You just <sighs> you can't do them. But the leftover turkey from Thanksgiving to make a sandwich is spectacular. Yeah, I'm not I'm not that mad at that, but. The idea and, oh, and the smell when you open the fridge. If there's a pizza in there, oh, sick, sickening. I don't know what I've done. What I've done in college without cold pizza. Uh, I mean, uh, you realize that there's other options. Fire up some toast. Can I heat up the pizza in the microwave? Is get, that okay? get a bowl of cereal. Yep. I mean, there's other options available. You don't have to punish yourself with cold pizza. I'll tell you what. You can do if you're willing to be oh. patient. Just 
put the pizza in the oven at 300 for five minutes, no. and it'll be great. How about you just order another one? But it's more. It's the next morning. What so time? Pizza, does, what, pizza what places times? are closed. They don't, they don't open until eleven. It's Let's six. Say. It's six thirty a.m. Because for, for some reason I wake up earlier on the nights like this. Yeah. Six thirty a.m. I have to get something in the Listen. body. The salt of from the sausage. You know, I need a little bit of the. I need the bread to soak some stuff up. Domino's like, opens is, at ten a.m. That's, that's all not early enough. All right, then. No, no cold pizza for Michelle. No. Three point four. <laughs> How about this one then? Take it or leave it. We'll get you off that. Take it or leave it. Tyler O'Neill will hit three hundred with five or more home runs for the month of May. Leave it. Well, we're on May 4th. Yeah, and he's kind of scuffling. Yeah. Um, still early in the month, but I'm going to yeah. leave it. I'm going to leave it. He's a second half player. I, I, we hope so. Hope so. Sure, sure we hope, hope so. so. Uh, 636, it's National Orange Juice Day. Take it or leave it. It's not truly orange juice unless there's pulp in it. Leave it. Leave it. Yeah, I'll leave that too. You can have orange juice without pulp. Who wants pulp in their orange juice? Come on. They I don't want to sell it. it. No pulp. I don't mind light pulp. I'm a no pulper. Well, I mean, if it's freshly squeezed, you're likely yeah. going to get some pulp yeah, in there. You're going to get some pulp. Congratulations to Orange Juice, by the way, on having National Orange Juice Day. Big day for it. Shout out to OJ. Yeah. Well, never mind. No. Orange Juice. OJ Anderson was in town the other day. Yeah. Don't want to just shout out OJ. No. I know you, Randy, might might take that and run with it. So uh, It could happen. Mm-hmm. So, clarification. Shout out to Orange Juice. Mm-hmm. People are losing their heads over Orange Juice, Michelle. Oh my gosh. Take it or leave it. If there's a chance for the Wild to win a game, it has to be tonight. I'll leave that. I'm going to leave that too. They could go back. Uh, they could easily win two games yeah. in here. Yeah, they could. Yeah. They could. They're good enough. They could. I don't think they will, but <laughs> this is the way that we saw the frustration come out of the Wild in game one. To steal from our buddy Doug Armstrong. This is a classic case of take the knife and jam it into the eye and into the brain and kill him. You've seen their vul- their mental vulnerabilities. You've seen the game plan on how you can beat them. And you've already gotten to them mentally. And it's game one. So what's going to happen in game two? It's a great question. Well, 314 has a prediction. Take it or leave you it. need to take the knife and jam it through their eye into their brain and kill them. Thank you, Doug. And that's exactly what the Blues need to do. And here we go for tonight. Take it or leave it. Shen gets a Gordie Howe hat trick beating up Spurgeon. I'll take it. I'll take that too. Yeah. Yeah, Goal, assist, fight. What did he say? It's a good thing we see him again tomorrow night? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And he said it's so even keel. Yeah, kind of scary. I I wouldn't want to mess with him. If you're Spurgeon, you don't want to see him being even keel. You know, it's like Ali Marmol said about the the throw, the high and tight throw to Arenado. Even his Mm -hmm. four-year-old knew it was coming. Right. Yeah. Even, even the children in St. Louis know it's coming for Spurgeon. Yeah. It's not to the same level, but even with Braden Shen, you don't want to open the door. It's not no, to the same you, level, you no. don't, but you don't want to open the door in, in that way. Well, that's the thing is when you have guys like that, when we had Roman Polak, when you had the Unabomber, when you had uh, the Son of Sam, you know, those serial killer types, they're, they're cold. <laughs> right? They don't, there's not, not, not much emotion there. Do they look nervous? Well, yeah. Isn't that part of the deal? Is that they're able to commit those crimes because of their lack mm-hmm. of yeah, emotion? No, they don't. All right, take, that, oh, go ahead. Let's do one more. Take it or leave it. Nolan Gorman is top three on the Cardinals in home runs by the end of the season. Leave it. I'll leave that too. It doesn't have that much to catch up, but how much time is he going to get up here? Right. I'll leave yeah. it. I'll leave it, but just barely. Right. Thank you, Matthew.
Thank you, Randy. Coming up next, we're going to talk to our friend, Hall of Famer Bernie Federko, Blues and Wild Tonight. You'll hear it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Blues booth. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home with locations in West County, South County, St. Charles County, and our new location in Mid County. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Michelle and Randy with you, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Hall of Famer Bernie Federko of Bally Sports joins us, as he does every hump day here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Bernie. How you doing? I am doing great, thanks, Randy. So how is your intensity level during the playoffs? <laughs> well, I think like everybody else's, uh, I think it's always pins and needles. It's nice to get ahead by a couple of goals, so you, you relax a little bit. But, you know, this is playoff hockey at its best. I mean, I love watching all the games. I mean, this is a time of the year where, you know, one little mistake uh, really costs you, and one big save at the right time uh, wins you a hockey game. So it's, it's always really somebody different that you look at, and, Hopefully, if it's not somebody tonight like Huso, maybe it'll be somebody else. Well, Bernie, clearly the Blues have gotten into the head of the Minnesota Wild. We saw the frustration coming out, especially with that Jared Spurgeon cross-check. But if you're the Blues and you realize that you've already gotten into the heads of the opponent to this degree after Game 1, how do you approach Game 2? Well, just the same way, Michelle. I mean, I think the the game plan is there. They know what they have to do. I mean, this team knows that they can score. I mean, I, I think you relied on, on the, really the one line was absolutely outstanding. I mean, uh, I thought that uh, O'Reilly and Saad and Perron were, were great. I mean, when you consider uh, it was two seconds after the uh, power play expired. So basically three of the four goals were power play goals. And I think that's going to really kind of put many on their heels. They're not going to want to take any penalties at all. And that may change their their game a little bit, but um, you know, right now I think that this team is is very very confident right now, and and uh, I think that this they don't change anything. Just play the same way you did uh, the other night. I mean, obviously you don't want to give up thirty seven shots if you if you can't, but I think they just have to play tight defensively and, and can stay in the heads. I mean, Michelle, it's it's hard to believe that you look at the record between these two teams over the course of the last well since what since Chief took over when I don't know it was thirteen one and two or something ridiculous. It's hard to believe that. You can actually be that in that kind of position that, that you kind of own a team. Bernie, it looked it obviously got chippy the other night. Is there any chance that the chippiness could continue early on tonight, or would you expect that this will just be a fresh start? You know what? I, I, that's a really good question, Randy. That's going to be an interesting thing. I mean, obviously they don't want to take penalties, Minnesota, so I think they're probably going to try to stay away from being chippy at all. I mean, uh, five on five, if you look at the record, five on five, Minnesota's got a better record. If they've scored more goals, or you know, goals for and against is much better than the Blues at five on five, so they probably want to stay at the five on five, but they had a lot of chances on the power play where they're not able to score on it early, and I think the momentum that the Blues gained from that Killing the penalties, I think, was really to their favor. But uh, will it get Chevy tonight? It's playoff hockey. It certainly can happen if something gets out of hand. I mean, you're watching all the games. Tampa and Toronto the other night was the same way. Uh, team gets uh, behind. You, you try to send a message. You try to – it's a, it's a best-of-seven series, so it's only one game. If you have to get chippy at certain times, you do. And I think that's the great thing about the game of hockey. What did you think of the um, punishment, air quotes, for Jared Spurgeon, Bernie? No suspension for him on that cross-check, just a fine. Do you think that the punishment fit the crime? 
Yeah, it's this time of the year. I mean, you don't want to suspend somebody unless it's really, really uh, something that's going to cause bodily harm, I guess, if you look at it. But there's there's going to be hits in, in games. I mean, we're seeing fines in Tampa and Toronto over what happened the other night. So uh, it's little things, and, and it's it's. I don't think it deters really anything. I mean, yeah, if you suspend a guy, he's probably not going to do something uh, that that's really ignorant out there. But uh, these are little fines that do happen, make the guy think a little bit more that maybe the next time he does it, he's going to get suspended and, and miss time on the ice. So uh, I, it's it's really even hard to comment on, on that, Michelle, whether or not that it fit the crime. But uh, certainly uh, these guys got a lot of money. So taking 2500 or 5000 out of the pocket is nothing. But I think it sends a message to them that if it happens again, uh, that they will get suspended. Bernie, as a uh, Hall of Famer, former player, uh, and a guy who's observed the game for a long time, when you look at some of the trades that Doug Armstrong makes, and we know about O'Reilly and Shen, but they didn't give up much for Nick Letty, who's making a pretty big impact. How impressive is it that uh, Doug Armstrong is able to continually find guys like this and not give up a lot to get them? Yeah, Army's been amazing, and uh, he must just have a great rapport with the rest of the general managers. I mean, that's the way that I can see it, because, uh, I mean, what he did to get Shan, first of all, from Philly, he gets uh, O'Reilly from uh, Buffalo, and now he you know, he gets uh, Buchnevich from New York. Letty yes, didn't give up much for Letty. So, I mean, when you look at all the different players that he's brought in, it's been fantastic, and he just uh, has a great feel for this hockey club. Um, he's got. Uh, he's been able to do a great job drafting guys. I mean, you got Thomas Cairo. So uh, this team has been put together by Doug, and, and he should be commended. And he has won General Manager of the Year uh, before, and, and certainly I think his record really speaks for itself. What do you like best about Nick Letty's game? It's just uh, he's poised all the time. There's no panic at all. He goes back. He's, he's got such a great skating motion that uh, he anticipates the play very well, gets the puck out of his own very easily. He's, he's always looking over his shoulder. If you watch him play, he's such a fluid skater. When something gets dumped in, he knows exactly what he's going to do before he gets to the puck, and I think that's why he's been so successful. And when he gets it, he keeps his feet moving. He keeps skating, uh, looking for something to, to, to make a play with, gets it up the ice. I, I've been very impressed with him. Uh, he's just uh, one of those guys that kind of goes, flies under the radar, but, but really gets the job done. Bernie, the, the Blues with a great performance, 4 nothing win in Game 1, but what would you like to see them improve upon in Game 2? Well, they, they certainly have to, to get a little more of the offense. I mean, I'd like to see, the obviously, the, the Thomas line get a little more aggressive in the offensive zone. I mean, it was really only one line that scored the other night. Uh, I think that uh, when you look at, at – I think that's really maybe the, the beauty of this team right now, though, is that they've got four lines that could score. I thought the fourth line was very effective the other night, but uh, I think when you look at uh, what the line of Tarasenko – his line, I mean, that's a line that could really carry this team. So if they shut down O'Reilly's line tonight, hopefully it'll be Tarasenko that comes it up. But uh, that's basically it. I mean, I, I think that they just need to get a little more aggressive. They need to forecheck a little more and get the cycle going down and spend more time in the offensive zone. I think they spent more, too much time uh, in their own zone the other night. I think tonight that they, they need to spend more time in the Minnesota zone. Bernie, one last thing from me. Now that you are not a player and you're an observer, do you have any superstitions? For example, game one the other night, we got a, car- uh, a cookie cake from Schnooks at the Character Household. They do it every year, and they won game one. So uh, I do that. Do you have any superstitions during the playoffs? No, and I'm glad it's not cake, Randy, because that would be dangerous all, all the time. I really don't, to be honest with you. No, I, I, I'm an observer now. I mean, I love watching the game. Uh, it's it's a it's a game that just fascinates me still. I mean, how good the guys are, you know, with the puck. I mean, it's it's not easy to 
to do what they do out there, and, and especially the speed of the game is so great right now, and there's there's extra physicalness. So I I, I really don't have any. I just enjoy watching it, and um, you know I I I know the Chief wears the same tie. If it comes down where I where we really need a game bad, uh, the Blues do. I'll have a favorite tie that, that that that's been successful for that I'll remember that I wore when they won a big game. In fact, I could even go back to Stanley Cup final tie if I had to. So that would be the only thing that I would do. Definitely. There you go. See, that's good. That, <laughs> that's important. We, we need to have things like that. Yes. Bernie exactly. Federico, we always love having you on on Wednesday mornings. Thanks so much for the time and enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, you guys. Have a great day. You too. That is the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico. You'll see him tonight on Ballet Sports. And, of course, you'll hear the game here on 101 ESPN. Uh, you know what I'm going to miss? This playoffs is having Bobby Plager pacing yeah. back and forth with his cup of coffee in the press box. It was always so great to see him and see how emotionally invested he was in every single minute of playoff hockey. So invested he couldn't even watch the game. Isn't that incredible? Yes. So that was a superstition. He just could not watch. Yes. So I, I love hockey superstitions. I would just love that I could turn around at any point in the game and we're in the most highly pressurized moments of the 2019 Stanley Cup playoffs. And here's Bobby Plager just pacing back and forth behind everybody, head down, not even watching. Yeah, that was, it was unreal. That was so much fun. It was He was so much fun, and we, we miss him. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. The fight is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Carriker and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carriker. Time for the fight here on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's 8.33 in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. If you weren't listening yesterday, you missed a great fight. Jeremy took Randy down 3-2. to two. He's back today for his second crack at things. He's back to defend his title, really. Um, and he's joining us now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Jeremy. How you doing? Good. How about you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much. Are you ready for fight number two versus Randy? Yes. All right, well, let's go. Question number one for Jeremy, the reigning champion, Jeremy. In the 1985 World Series, which Cardinal outfielder led the team with a 360 batting average against the Royals? Was it Andy Van Slyke, Willie McGee, or Tito Landrum? Uh, Andy, Andy Van Slyke. Nolan Arenado recently joined Eddie Matthews, Mike Schmidt, and this former Cardinal as the only third baseman to hit 275 home runs in their first 10 seasons. Is that Scott Rowland, Troy Glouse, or Mark DeRosa? Uh, the Troy uh, Glouse. Jeremy, three pitchers from the 2007 MLB draft have won Cy Young Awards. Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, those are two of them. Who is the third? Is it Madison Bumgarner, Jacob deGrom, or Tim Lincecum? Uh, deGrom. And who was the last St. Louis Blue to score a playoff hat trick before Perron's on Monday? Was that Jaden Schwartz, Vladimir Tarasenko, or Patrick Berglund? Sport. Sorry, say that again, Jeremy? 
James Forbes. Okay, cool. Just wanted to make sure I heard you correctly. Let's check our score here. Yep, confirmed. Waving in Randy, who's going green. He recycled for us today. Jeremy, second time in the fight. Where's your confidence at? How are you feeling? Uh, not great. <laughs> I don't think we've had any soundbite that's gotten as much traction as Mo's. <laughs> mm, not great. One of the all-time greats, isn't it? It, it is. Mm. Despite it saying not great, it really <laughs> is great. Randy, say good morning to Jeremy. You remember him. He beat you 3-2 to two yesterday. Jeremy, thank you very much for playing again. Good morning. How you doing? Good, good, Randy. We love having you. Thank you. Ready to go, sir? Ready. Okay. Question number one for Randy. In the 1985 World Series, which Cardinal outfielder led the team with a 360 batting average against the Royals? I believe it was Tito Landrum, of all people. <laughs> Nolan Arnato recently joined Eddie Matthews, Mike Schmidt, and this former Cardinal as the only third baseman to hit 275 home runs in their first 10 seasons. Hmm. Well, it's either Roland or Boyer, right? Or what? Could it be Coke? I don't think it's Whitey Karofsky. Um, I'm, I'm going to guess that Roland got there. I'll go with him. Randy, three pitchers from the 2007 MLB Draft have won Cy Young Awards. Clayton Kershaw and Max Scherzer are two. Who is the third? Kershaw, Scherzer, 07. I think I know this, but I'm going to use a lifeline just in case. Madison Bumgarner, Jacob deGrom, or Tim Lincecum? So Lincecum came up. He got up. He came from Washington. Might be him. Mad Bum. He was 20. Mad Bum's one of Cy Young. And then Kershaw was the other one? Kershaw, Kershaw, was, Kershaw and Scherzer are two. Oh, Kershaw, Scherzer. Yeah. Um, Options are Bumgarner, DeGrom, Lincecum. Bumgarner, DeGrom, Lincecum. Um, so Mad Bum... Uh, just trying to get the timeline here. Scherzer, DeGrom. I'll go with uh, Big Time Timmy Jim. Who was the last St. Louis Blue to score a playoff hat trick before Perron's on Monday? Yeah, Schwartzy. Yesterday, the result was 3 to 2. Today, the result is also 3 to 2. Hmm. Did Jeremy take Randy down twice? Or is Randy back and better than ever? Matt, ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair, home of the non-commission-based sales force and hassle-free warranty. Just win, baby. Jeremy, I'm sorry. Randy defeated you 3-2, to two, but it was a good run. You did well. Yeah, it was all good. I appreciate you guys having me. Have a good one, Jeremy. Take care. You too. Thank you. So in the 1985 World Series, Tito Landrum led the team with a 360 batting average against the Royals. Isn't that amazing? Yes, it is. It's wild. <laughs> but Vince was hurt, mm-hmm. and Willie did not have a great series. No. Yeah, 360. Shout out to Tito. Nolan Arenado recently joined Eddie Matthews, Mike Schmidt, and Troy Glouse as the only mm. third baseman uh, to hit 275 home runs in their first 10 seasons. Three pitchers from that 07 draft have won Cy Young's. Kershaw, Scherzer, and Lincecum. Scherzer was seventh in that draft. Or excuse me. Kershaw was seventh in that draft. Scherzer was 11th. Lincecum was 10th. 
Pretty good draft, huh? Pretty good. Pretty good. And the last St. Louis Blue to score a playoff hat trick before our guy DP57 did it on Monday was Schwartzy. He did it on May 19th, 2019 versus San Jose. Here's to the winners. Now, who can argue with that? Was the rib shot in there? That was just All I fun. do is win, 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 no matter what. Don't stop believing. Win, 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 win. I'm winning. Get your popcorn ready. The day after a loss, you really go for it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> to the winner goes the spoils. You really go for it. You, uh, I love all these new additions, by the way. Well, you requested that one, right? I did request Nelly, but you surprised me. There's a bunch of new drops in there. <laughs> Good work, Randy. Thank you. Can I get a Pacino? Oh, yeah, we got plenty of uh, El Pacino. Uh, just because you're a great guy and... Uh, if I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. How about that one? You like wow. that? That was a good one. No, I'm just getting warmed up. I've been around, you know. What's that from? Scent of a Woman. Never seen it. What kind of a show <laughs> are you guys putting on here today? Who knows, uh, honestly. Identical. It's absolutely peak Pacino hitting like the caricature that he is like of himself. Like that's I love Scent of the Woman for just it's just that guy just like yep. Who said who who said cut at any point during this movie? <laughs> right, yeah, and you know what this one was so. I, I mean when when BT joined the fast lane, it was just so typical that you'd have the uh, you had to ask this question. <laughs> Did David Perron score again? Yeah, again. What? How about that? Shout out to DB. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, speaking of guys that score a lot of playoff goals, Brett Hall joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us. And it's always great to go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line when Hall of Famer Brett Hall is on the other end. He joins us this morning on Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Holly, good morning. How are you doing? Very good. How about you guys? I'm doing well. I've got the Brett Hall voice going this morning. <laughs> yeah, you do a little bit. What's going on? <laughs> Just a little cold. I'm good. I feel great. Um, but it's playoff time. You're supposed to power through, so that's what I'm doing. That's right. You got your beard going or no? Oh, I'm going to get it started, Holly. No problem at all with that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how have, uh, I have to believe that this is a team that you like a lot, right? Because of their ability to score and with their depth up front? Well, I'll tell you what. There's, you know, if you look at what's going on right now, uh, there's been like two close games, right? The, Ra- the Rangers and uh, Pittsburgh and the Kings and... Edmonton. Uh, there were one goal games. Every other series has been a blowout. And uh, it, it's, you know, the way it is in the league right now, you can get by in the NHL doing uh, or playing a certain style. But no matter what happens, come playoff times, you have to be built for the playoffs. And I think uh, with uh, Chief as the coach and these guys, uh, they have, they have the kind of makeup that is a 
you know they they have a they have a good run in them in the in these Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, and I think Calgary is similar and uh, kind of Carolina too. They might kind of be maybe a little under the radar, but they're built as playoff teams, and that's that's the bottom line. First, you got to make the playoffs, but if you're a quality team built with grit and and you know you know solid foundation of your game you're going to do well and that's what the blues are I couldn't agree more with you Brett and I was kind of surprised that the blues weren't getting more love nationally heading into the playoffs because I'm with you I think they're built for the playoffs this team has incredible depth they have 920 goal scorers and because of that balanced scoring do you think that the blues will really be a mismatch with anybody that they line up with in the playoffs I don't know about mismatch, uh, but I'll tell you what, if it comes down to, you know, Colorado, who's obviously a very good team, uh, you know, the, the Blues can give them uh, as much and more as they can handle. So, you know, you can have, you can have all that uh, talent and, and, and uh, you know, kind of sexy appeal, but then all of a sudden you run into a team like the Blues and, you know, they're kind of like, they're kind of like the ugly girl at the prom that is everyone wants to take because they're, you know, they get it done. You know, like you said, how many 20 goal scores do they have? You don't, you know, it's not necessarily, well, we got two guys that are unbelievable. Well, yeah, well we got, you know, we got six or seven forwards that can do it. And, and that is the key to the playoffs is that, secondary players, you know, they're obviously like you need that top line to be, to be going, but you also need that third line to, to score you goals, uh, you know, shut down the other team and then, and also contribute. And then when you do that, if you know, you're very hard to beat. Holly, I got to go back to this ugly girl with the prom thing. <laughs> Yeah, that, I'm not sure that was my best analogy. <laughs> I think it might have been, Brad. That you know, when you, when you go back on your life and have to relive your own, and that's, that's what it was. <laughs> hey, uh, Brett, there's only three players that have scored more goals in playoff history than you, and all members of the Oilers. It was Gretzky, it was Messier, it was Curry. Did you play differently in the playoffs, or did you maintain the same game that you played during the regular season? A little bit of both. You have to, you know, and I think that's where people get into trouble. You you can't all of a sudden decide, oh, it's the playoffs. I'm going to be this other player, right? You have to you have to be you, but you have to be able to be you at an another level. Uh, I, I, I think you, you you understand what I'm saying mm-hmm. is that it's just you're it's the same guy playing the same way, but you need to be able to play it at, at a higher pace at a, at a more, at a more, um, like, you know, with the excitement of the fans, especially like at home, like when you get out there and the fans are going nuts and you're in game one or whatever it is. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh my God, Oh my God. Well, you still have to be you, but you have to take it to another level because it's everyone takes it to a, to another level. Well, whether they can perform at that 
you know, offensively and skill-wise is one thing, but you get those guys that are checking you, well, you can, you can amp up your game defensively and not have to worry about it because that's not hard. But and- to be able to play offensively at that next level is another thing because all of a sudden if you're, if you're trying to do things that aren't in your repertoire, you're, you're just defeating yourself. And Holly, you always talked about finding that dead spot in the ice. You had the best innate vision of the ice of anybody that I ever watched play. But it seems like once you get to playoff time, there aren't as many dead spots in the ice. Well, yeah. And again, that goes to uh, preparation, right? Because it's not like, oh, we're playing Minnesota, Detroit, and Chicago this week. And, you know, right now the Blues are like, okay, we're playing the Minnesota Wild. And this is what they do. So you, you can prepare and, you know, uh, Kiprasov, is it Kiprasov? Yes. Kiprasov. Yeah, well, obviously he is a fantastic player, you know, and Ekman and all those guys. Well, you know, the, the coaching staff of the Blues has a game plan for Barbashev and those guys to stop them. You know, and it's not like, okay, we're playing them here and then we're going to another team. You know, they're focused, singularly focused on them. So, uh, you know, they know where they like to go. They know how they like to play. And so, obviously, you know, there is a lot less room out there. But somehow you've got to figure out a way to get open. Or if, you, if there is no opening, then you've got to go to the net and, and, and score goals that way. And that's why a guy like Ovechkin so good. Like, he... You know, six two, two hundred and twenty pounds. He, like, if if there's no opening, he goes. That's it. I'll just go right in the front of the crease and cause havoc there. And then he's got the skill around him that'll get open because everyone will come to him. And, and you know, against certain teams, that you're just you have to take hits like that playoff with Gavin and Duchesne against Minnesota, right? You knew that you were going to get cross checked to death in that series, but you just have to go in and sacrifice. It's it's the ultimate word in hockey: sacrifice. Yeah, it's sacrifice, but it's all you also have. It's also a brain game, all right. Yeah, like you can never let them know that they've got you. <laughs> no matter how many times they cross check you, no, no, you never show them that it hurts. You never, you never whine to the refs. You never, you just go and you just do your job, and all of a sudden you kind of flip the script and and you start to make them frustrated. Because it's like, I'm doing whatever I can to this guy, and I'm cross-checking him, I'm, I'm hooking him, I'm holding him, and he just never, he doesn't complain, he just keeps going. And it's like, it's tiring. And so that's what you have to do. And hopefully when they take you away, which is inevitable, right? You, you can't always, you know, you know, if you're like the guy, people are going to try to take you away, then you need your teammates to go, okay, look at this. Now look at all the open ice as he takes all these guys with him. You mentioned, Brett, never letting them know they got to you. Well, the Wild certainly let the Blues know that they had gotten to them in game one. You could see the frustration coming out of Minnesota, especially towards the end there when Jared Spurgeon had that cross check to the ankle of Pavel Buchnevich. Now, he wasn't suspended. He was only fined $5,000. But as Braden Shen said yesterday, thankfully, we still get to play him again tomorrow night. What do you expect the response to be towards Jared Spurgeon from the Blues? I don't think anything. I think, you know, they'll play hard against them. But, I mean, it's the playoffs. You can't just go out and take stupid penalties, you know, because then all of a sudden now it's, you know, the series is 1-1. 
you know, you go out and, and take two games in Minnesota, just go home and win two more and you can, you know, have a week's rest. But if you're going to take stupid penalties, you know, and, this, and now it just lengthens, lengthens the series when it's unnecessary. Like you've got, I mean, Spurgeon's going to be in the, in the league for uh, many more years and they're going to have a lot of games against them. And that's, you know, you take a number and you just be patient. You don't do anything stupid uh, tonight in game two that can cost you the game because that, you know, it's asinine. And I can guarantee you, uh, Coach Berube is in there telling him that right now. He's like, you know, first of all, you're not going to do anything stupid, uh, you know, because that's going to cost us games. And that's, uh, that's not what we're about. A couple more things for the Hall of Famer, Brett Hall, from me. Number one, I, I want to get your impression of Vladdy returning from the shoulder injury with the year that he's had. What have you thought? Well, I, I think he's, he's stepped it up and he's, he's kind of figured out that, you know, uh, you know, I'm an important part of this team and I've got to, you know, I've got to play hard and, and I've got to do my job. And I think that he is uh, try he's figuring out that it's not all about the pretty goal or this and that, you know, you got to get dirty and you got to muck it up if you're going to score goals, because there's, there's the guy on the blues. If I'm in the wild dress room, I'm like, you gotta, we gotta take care of Tarasenko because he's their guy. And so he's got to figure out a way to get and fight through uh, the the defense and get to the dirty areas and score. Uh, because when you do that, like I said, it opens up the ice for his teammates. And, and, you know, he's got, he's playing with, uh, you know, from what I have been told, the closest thing that Adam Oates, the blues have had in Thomas, Wow, uh, one of the, one of the best passers in the game. And when you get to play with a guy like that, you just get open, find a way to get open. And that kid will get you the puck. And the way that Vladdy shoots the puck, all he needs is, you know, a split second and it'll happen. He, but you have to be patient. You can't go, Oh my God, I didn't score. I didn't score. It's like, it's okay. You won, you won like five, nothing. Don't worry about it. You're, you're up, you know, you're up, you're up uh, one game to nothing and a chance to go two Oh on the road. So now, now go out tonight and, and find a way and make things happen. And it may not happen, but the rest, your teammates will obviously, you know, cover you up because, you know, like you said, you know, there's a lot of people with a lot of skill on that team. Finally, Brett, this is kind of like the lawyer that asks the question that he knows the answer to. How's your golf game? <laughs> uh, actually, uh, you know, it was, it's pretty good right now. <laughs> I figured. <It's>, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. And it's, uh, you know, I played, I played, you know what? I had a good day yesterday. I, I played golf. Uh, Yesterday, and then I went to Van Morrison at the Ryman Auditorium. Oh wow! Uh, nice. Now, how good? Yeah, how good is that? The 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 Church of Country Music, and it was so unbelievable. And uh, you know, uh, now I can at least say I've I've seen Van Morrison, and he was uh, you know for a seventy seven year old guy, he was uh, he was really good. What was the best song he played last night? Well, probably Stone Me. Stone Me and Gloria. Uh, yeah, he didn't do my all-time favorite, which is Tupelo Honey. But, oh, so good. Uh, oh, my God, it's the greatest song ever written. <laughs> and I wish, 
that would have made my whole my whole life if I would have seen him do that. But he didn't do it. I'm surprised. He was, he was, he was in a bluesy mood. Mm. Okay. I mean, it, yeah, it was really good, though. You know, usually he's more jazzy. He was bluesy last night. I, I would have figured that Brett Hall's greatest song ever written would have come from Neil Young. Well, I mean, he's got a lot, right? You know, he's my all-time favorite, but... I mean, Tupelo Honey, uh, I just, there's something about that song that, like, I don't know how anyone could be that genius to be able to write that song. Yeah, it's a, the, the way musicians' minds work is incredible, isn't it? It's, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's neat being down here in Nashville. I mean, I was on the driving range the other day, and all of a sudden, Luke Combs is there, and I'm like, <laughs> hey, how you doing? And he's the <laughs> nicest guy in the world, and it's like, oh, yeah, just chit-chatting with Luke Combs on the range. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah we're in the country music capital of the world. Hey, at some point during the playoffs, will we see you at the rink? I sure hope so. Absolutely. I sure hope so, because I love watching. Let's go Blues. Let's go Blues. We need to, we got to come up with a new catchphrase this year, because we already went, so we got to go. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. We'll come up, maybe we'll come up with, uh, here we go again. Remember that song? Who was that? Uh, here we go. Oh, Dolly, Dolly Parton. Parton. Dolly Parton. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> Great call, Brett. Down in Nashville, right? too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great. Hey, man, it's great to hear your voice. Thanks so much, and we'll see you, you during too. the playoffs. Yeah, let's go Blues. All right, take care. Okay, you too. That is uh, Brett Hall on 101 ESPN. I love that he's already thinking of a new saying since they already went blues. Here we go again, Dolly Parton. Perfect. <laughs> he's such a fun guy, isn't he? He's just, he, he's always fun. I want to see Van Morrison with Brett Hall. Oh, man. What a great time that must have been. Brett has such a love of music. And we used to do a show together at his restaurant. Really? Yeah. And uh, that was like a, a segment every week was a music segment. He's yeah. Opinions matter. Time now for today's Big Thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seiden Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. More Blues talk coming up here in just a few minutes. Former Blue and former Blackhawk Jamal Mayers will join us to talk some Blues hockey. I always like visiting with Jamal. He's great and very insightful about the NHL. Michelle Jared Spurgeon, <clears throat> excuse me, as we mentioned, fined $5,000 for a hit that could have broken Pavel Buchnevich's ankle. And I don't think there's any doubt, at least in my mind, that Spurgeon was trying to hurt Buchnevich and knock him out for the rest of the series. Well, after you watched the replay, because I think in the moment, the angle during the game, you were kind of like, wait, what, what was that? What was going on? But then when you went back and saw the replay and the perfect camera angle to see exactly what Jared Spurgeon was doing, he wasn't trying to get up. It wasn't a bang-bang play. Pavel Buchnevich was in a vulnerable position, and Jared Spurgeon took his stick and cross-checked him right over the ankles and the Achilles. I don't see that as anything other than the intent to injure a player. And to me, because I see it that way, and I think any rational person would see it that way, 
If you're the league, you have to provide a deterrent to actions like that. You can't have players going after other players and trying to knock them out of the series. And to me, he should have gotten at least a one-game suspension. I agree with you. I know that we've talked to a lot of hockey people who disagree and think that he shouldn't have gotten suspended because it's the playoffs. But he's lucky Pavel Buzhnevich was not injured. What if he was injured on that play? Then would he get a a one-game suspension? The action and the intent behind the action are the same regardless of the outcome, which is why I don't understand why he didn't get a suspension. And by the way, he has no history, even... Braden Shen mentioned, look, he's not that kind of a player. He was frustrated. And that weighs in when NHL player safety is making a decision. If a guy doesn't have any previous history of doing untoward things, that works in his favor when an action like the other night is being reviewed. Which I get if we talked about this with Draymond Green. If there's a Mm -hmm. history and a reputation there, the calls are going to be made a little differently. But in this case... How, how many times is enough for you to start to get the reputation and for you to have enough of a history for you to be a player like that? I know Jared Spurgeon has no history of actions like this and has come out and said, this is not the type of player that I am. He has been remorseful about what happened, but he still in the moment let his emotions get the best of him and did something that could have resulted in a serious injury for a player. And to me, that's the key, Michelle, because... What happens if a Rangers player decides to do that to Sidney Crosby? After seeing what happened with Spurgeon, yeah. yeah. A, the precedent has been set. Right. So what, what, they're going to find me $5,000 if I do if if I break Sidney Crosby's ankle. Or is Sidney Crosby more important than Pavel Buchnevich? But to me, every player in the league has been told if you want to cross-check a guy like that and take him out, the fine is five grand and you don't get suspended. I'm with you. They they certainly set a precedent here. They made a statement by not suspending him. And I, I know in reading about this that the rationale was it's because Buchnevis was not injured. But I still, that does not compute for no. me. A plus B does not equal C for me because he's lucky that he wasn't injured, but his intent in that moment was strictly to injure him. Or at least that's what it seems like from me as I'm observing it and watching the replay over and over again. He wasn't trying to get up. He took his stick and he slammed it against his ankles. It's like driving drunk, right? If you don't injure somebody while driving drunk, you just got lucky. And that's what happened with Spurgeon. He just got lucky that he didn't injure somebody with his actions. Yeah, to me, intent is the key here, and I don't think there's any question about what his intent was. Whether he let his emotions get the best of him or not, those were his actions. So I was surprised that he didn't at least get one game. So, how do the Blues handle this? I thought it was interesting when you asked Brett Hall Hall that question. Because I think from from our perspective, we're thinking, okay, there's some retribution coming here. You did this and tried to injure one of our guys. We're going to make you pay. Even Braden Chen, when he had a a very measured response about this, when asked about this play from Jared Spurgeon, even in that he weaved in, well, it's a good thing that we get to see him again tomorrow night when he was asked about this yesterday. So I think most of us are assuming that there's going to be some sort of a response towards Spurgeon from the Blues. But Brett Hall, when I asked him about what he thinks the response would be, gave a, an interesting answer. Here's Brett Hall. Well, I, I don't think anything. I think, you know, they'll play hard against him. But, I mean, it's the playoffs. You can't just go out and take stupid penalties, you know, because then all of a sudden now it's, you know, the series is 1-1. It's unnecessary. Like you've got, I mean, Spurgeon's going to be in the in the league for uh, many more years, and they're going to have a lot of games against them. And that's, you know, you take a number and you just be patient. And 
I agree with that. Take your number and be patient. We get a text, by the way, from the 636. Can we please drop the Spurgeon thing? Talk about it in the offseason. Well, it's a story now because it happened two nights ago in game one of a series that game two is going to be played tonight. Uh, but if you want to address player safety at that time in the offseason, move on and let's go win by four plus goals again. Stop crying and play. And actually, the Blues have not said a word about this. The, the Blues, we're talking about player safety, and you've got a unit in the league, the NHL Department of Player Safety, that doesn't seem to be concerned about the safety and well-being of the players. Yeah, it seems like the Blues have turned the page and that they're focused mm-hmm. on the task at hand. But I think it's just adding more fuel, fuel to the fire for the Blues yep. to see that they have gotten to the wild to that degree because I'm sure they went back and watched the video. And in the moment, you could probably feel the frustration from Minnesota when they're throwing everything they can at you and the Blues aren't really giving it, them anything back. But to go back and watch that video, that's the, my big takeaway from that is not only that he had the intent to injure him, but you could see just how mentally broken they were in that yeah. moment. That the frustration in game one got to him that much that that would be a player like Jared Spurgeon who does not have a history of this, that that would be his response. If I'm the Blues, I'm watching that video back and I'm like, we got him. Mm-hmm. Mentally, we're in yeah. there. And it has just been announced that Marc-Andre Fleury will be between the pipes again for Minnesota tonight in Game 2. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to talk to former Blue, former Blackhawk, Stanley Cup champion Jamal Mayers on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So many great Blues alumni in our town, and I'm so happy that Jamal Mayers has stayed in St. Louis and uh, has a family here and is doing great things. Had a chance to see Jammer at the game the other night. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker with you, and Jamal Mayers joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Jammer, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Everything's great. We're excited about the results of Game 1. What do you expect for Game 2 tonight? Well, I think that uh, I always love starting on the road, first of all, and you, you win one of those two and you, you actually take over home ice advantage. And the pressure is squarely on Minnesota. So I expect to see uh, a huge pushback from, from the Wild. And um, right now I feel like the Blues are playing with house money. So if they're able to steal another one on the road, uh, it's not going to be easy, uh, but then they get to come home for two. So uh, huge uh, opportunity for the Blues, uh, but I again I expect first of all I expect them to start Talbot, and I expect the Wild to uh, give their best foot forward. I don't, you never want to go down two nothing, and uh, you're going to see their best game. Jamal, we just got word minutes ago on Twitter that Mark Andre Fleury is indeed starting Game Two for the Wild. They're going to stick with Fleury. So, what do you think about that call? I'm surprised. Um, one of the reasons being is that uh, they lost the game, number one. Number two, I'm not putting it on Flurry, but he he is a goalie that um, kind of a throwback in a lot of sense. He likes to really challenge the shooter. And what that does, I feel like the Blues do a fantastic job of using the width of the ice. So although a lot of those opportunities were on rebound, he over-challenges in a lot of instances, and it kind of feeds into how the Blues create offense and their ability to use the width of the ice, whether it's uh, five-on-five or on the power play. Uh, I think it's great. The Blues should be happy. They've uh, shown that they can beat Fleury. Uh, They've shown they can have success against him. Um, And again, I think David Perrant said it very well, that uh, getting the first goal on the road was huge because 
they're allowed to play on their toes, and, and it was the Wild that had to press. Jamal Mayer's with us on 101 ESPN, and you mentioned David Perron's name. Are there certain guys who just have a goalie's number? Because it sure seems like David has Fleury's number. Yeah, I think so. I think it's not only is it in the, the goalie's head, but it's as a shooter, you feel, and, and I have to go way back to my college days when I was actually scoring goals, but <laughs> I think you, actually, you, you feel good about certain guys. You feel good about certain buildings. Uh, and it's just that, that confidence kind of permeates through yourself and you feel like, okay, this is this is a good setup, good good matchup for whatever reason. Sometimes you can't put a finger on it, um, but I'm sure Perry um, is feeling confident and maybe it's the French connection there and, uh, you know, his ability to create chances and opportunities, the way that Perry shoots the puck and, uh, and he's so opportunistic and such a smart player. Um, he's really it's kind of odd that a guy would have such offensive numbers late in his career. But I think that a few reasons, the the game and the rules have trended in his favor because he's such a skilled player and he, he uses the, the width of the ice so well and, and complements his line mates and, and they read off each other so well that they're able to kind of know where each other are all over the ice. Speaking of confidence and goaltending, let's talk about Billy Husso. 37 saves, shutout in his postseason debut for the Blues. We knew that Billy Husso had been strong for the note throughout the season, but the playoffs are a different animal, and we didn't know what he would look like, and he certainly answered the bell. What did you think of what we saw out of Billy Husso in Game 1, and what does that do for a rookie's confidence after having a performance like that in your debut? Yeah, great point by you. Uh, it's massive for his confidence, and it's I'll be honest with you, the veterans on that team, I can assure you, when they were out to dinner and, and many the night before the game, that was one of the question marks. You know, how is Billy going to handle the playoffs? How is this going to be? And they obviously thought and believed in him, and but you never know, right? It's a different animal, as you mentioned, playing in the playoffs. And for him to have the performance that he had, not just getting the shuttle, which was, you know, a cherry on top, but it's it's the fact that, for me, he looked calm. He wasn't over over-challenging. He was controlling his rebounds. When there were scrums and chaos in front of him, he skated away from it. He seemed cool, calm, and collected, and composed. And that confidence that he showed in himself permeates throughout the entire lineup. Guys noticed it on the bench. And right away, he sent a message to his team and also to the Wild that he's not going to buckle under the pressure, that he's going to enjoy this opportunity and take full advantage of it. Jamal Mayer's with us on 101 ESPN. A couple more things, Jammer. Number one, as we know, the Blues in 2019, when they won the Cup, they came at the opposition in waves with four lines. Would you expect that, and Craig Bruby said yesterday, he wasn't totally thrilled with the offensive possession time. Would you expect that this team will do the same thing at some point during the playoffs where they'll just come at the opposition in waves, line after line after line? I don't. I think this team's built differently. I think as evidence of how they perform throughout the season, they are a three-line team. That's nothing against their fourth line. Um, they have, you know, how often do you have line, nine guys in the top nine all have over 20 goals? This team's built differently. And so what they need from the fourth line, in my humble opinion, is just not to get scored on, to create momentum, to start in the defensive zone and finish their shift in the offensive zone and be responsible and be physical. And so it's, it's clear that they're a three-line team. The, the fourth line played less than 10 minutes. I expect that to continue. And the same thing with the pairings on the, on the back end. They're really four deep. They, play, they lean heavily on Letty. They lean heavy on, on Parenko. 
they've got Falk that's playing over 20. And, and, and obviously those, those four guys are playing the bulk of the minutes. And, and you look at Bertuzzo, who played well, and Mikola, they each played just over 10 minutes. So they, they clearly lean heavily on their top end. I think they're, it's okay for them to do that. A lot of times we kind of we want everyone to model after the previous year and, and the formula that worked in 20, 2019 isn't the formula I believe they're using now, and that's okay. Jamal, how do you see this series shaking out? Who do you think uh, advances to the next round? Well, I think the Blues clearly take this series. I think it was massive for them to win uh, game one. I don't think it will be a, a sweep. But I do feel like uh, the Blues very well could win this this series in five games. It could go six, but definitely the Blues. And finally, Jamal Mayers, uh, you have uh, started a program with the Blues in partnership with Kip Schools, the the North City Blues. And hockey is always trying to get more people under the umbrella. Can you tell us exactly what you're doing and how that's going? Yeah, it's it's been going well under the. The leadership, obviously, and guidance from Chris Zimmerman and 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 the ownership group and and Randy Gersh's group in the community. I think uh, what I love about this program is that they the Blues have been intentional about going out into the community, engaging with uh, you know Kip schools and parents and and churches and things of that nature to get a sense for what they would like the program to look like. And I think honestly, for me, the the value in doing this program. It's a vehicle. The hockey is the vehicle for getting these kids to see outside their four block radius and seeing that their world could be much bigger than they ever imagined. And if hockey could teach them something that, you know what, they're going to fall. They're going to have to get back up. They're going to learn about themselves. They're going to meet new people. They're going to try new things and learn that they can actually do it is a great metaphor for life lessons. And, And it's been amazing to see the commitment, not only from the kids, but the parents to show up in, in ice storms when we were outside <laughs> in Forest Park to uh, to getting the opportunity to skate on uh, in, in the ice downtown and, and and so at Enterprise. So uh, what an amazing program it's been. It's just the beginning and and uh, it seems to grow and it's you know they're talking to their friends and next thing you know there's another group of 30 40 kids that are learning how to skate that'll so then transition to learn to play. So. It's been a lot of fun for me to be around these kids, and, and uh, it's been very enjoyable so far. Well, we're thrilled that you are a part of this and doing what you're doing for the community, and it is a, a wonderful endeavor. Jammer, great to hear your voice. Thanks for taking some time with us, and I, I hope, and I'm going to put you on the spot here, I hope we can do this again as the playoffs unfold. That sounds great. Great talking to you guys. Thanks All for right. having me on. Thank you, Jamal. Jamal Mayer is with us on 101 ESPN. Great stuff, right? Absolutely. Great stuff from Jammer. So, And he expects the Blues to win, and so do we. I like that he said in five, maybe yeah, six. I, I like I that had a lot. Him in seven. Let's end it early so they can rest up. Yeah. And 101 ESPN will be live on Friday with BKM Ferrario from 11 to 2 and the Fast Lane from 2 to 6 from Enterprise Center as we gear up for Game 3 that night. If you've got tickets and you're headed to Enterprise Center for either Game 3 or Game 4, make sure to get there early to enjoy the Bud Light Happy Hour pregame party in the Anheuser-Busch Beer Garden beginning two hours prior to puck drop. Enjoy live music, food, and drink specials and stop by the 101 ESPN table to get registered to win a signed Blues jersey. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. And it is now time for... You're killing me, Smalls. Randy, let's talk about mentoring and quarterbacks. So Ryan Tannehill... Tennessee Titans quarterback had a press conference yesterday and he was talk talking about Malik Willis, the third round pick of the Tennessee Titans and his fellow quarterback on the team. And, uh, what a lot of people might consider his competition, even though his job is not in jeopardy. You draft a quarterback because you eventually want him to play, right? Well, he was asked yesterday if he's going to be a mentor to Malik Willis, and Ryan Tannehill did not sugarcoat it. Here's what he had to say. In a quarterback room in the same room, you know, we're we're competing against each other. We're, uh, you know, watching the same tape. We're, we're doing the same drills. Uh, I don't think it's my job to mentor him, but, uh, you know, if he learns, learns from me along the way, then... Uh, and that's a great thing. A lot of debate about this, whether Ryan Tannehill should or shouldn't be a mentor to Malik Willis. Kurt Warner said this. He tweeted this. I'll never understand the I'm not here to mentor the next guy mentality. So for all you young quarterbacks that need a mentor, DM me and I'll be that guy. Happy to help in any way I can. So which side are you on? The Kurt Warner side or the Ryan Tannehill side? The first guy I thought of was Kurt Warner when I heard about what Ryan Tannehill had said. Because... Even though he knew that Mark Bulger was going to take his job, Kurt Warner was more than willing to mentor Mark. He was more than willing to mentor Eli Manning in New York and more than willing to mentor Matt Leinert in Arizona. And that's just Kurt's personality. And that's so cool that he says, DM me, that because he wants to be that guy. But Brett Favre didn't do it. Aaron Rodgers isn't mm-hmm. doing it. Uh, Brady didn't want to do it. So most of the guys don't. They won't, don't want to train a guy to steal their job. Mm-hmm. So... I get where they're, those guys are coming from, but I, I have a much greater appreciation of Kurt Warner. So do I. And I also think that it's it's a an interesting thought process for me because on one point, some of these guys are so great because they're so competitive. And why would they relinquish any sort of trade secrets to anybody that might steal their job. But on the other hand, I'm thinking if you're QB1 and you're the you're the guy, shouldn't you have enough confidence and security in your position to help out a younger player? So I truly see it from both sides. Yeah, I, I do too. I get it. And by the way, Peyton Manning holds a camp every year for young quarterbacks. And Peyton Manning helped out as much as he could. He was in a bad situation, but helped out Sam Bradford. If young quarterbacks came to Peyton Manning, he was willing to help him out. So I guess it's just a matter of what your philosophy is in terms of helping youngsters. And maybe guys, maybe Tannehill, do you really want Ryan? You want to play Ryan Tannehill's game anyway? But maybe guys are thinking that they. Their deal is all about them, and they just don't have time to deal with another guy. You're killing me, Smalls! Well, Ryan Tannehill has been dealing with a lot. He was very open about the way that he's been feeling in the offseason. So you may remember the Titans lost 19-16 to the Cincinnati Bengals in the division round of the NFL playoffs. Great game. Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions in that game, and that really weighed on him in the offseason. Here's what he said about that loss, Randy. He said, quote, it's a deep scar. Every time I closed my eyes, I kind of rewatched the game. I didn't get a whole lot of sleep for weeks. I was in a dark place, and it took me a while and a lot of work 
to get out of it. I worked through it, but therapy, talking to people, time helped. It took a lot of work to get through it. This is the first time that I absolutely needed therapy to pull me out of a dark space. So that lost something that's weighing heavily on him. So maybe he's thinking, I don't have the mental bandwidth to mentor anyone because I'm mm-hmm. just trying to do what I need to do every day to be the best quarterback that I can be. I understand that. And you know what? I appreciate a guy coming out and saying, hey, I'm having trouble dealing with this. I remember, again, going back to Kurt, talking to him after it was when training camp started after Super Bowl 36, and he hadn't gotten over it. And that team never got over it. That's why they wound up starting uh, 0-5, I think it was. Some guys have a great deal of difficulty putting those sorts of performances, especially as a quarterback, behind them. And I admire Ryan Tannehill for admitting that, hey, this hasn't been easy, but trying to find a way to work through it. I remember when Colton Wong was picked off to end the World Series Mm -hmm. and he was so emotional after the game. We as fans wear losses. Think about how you feel the morning after a big time loss for your team. Imagine being someone that did something to contribute to that loss. These guys care so much and they put so much into it. And I I can't imagine what that would be like trying to get past that. But Ryan Tannehill did say that it has put him in a great mental space, a, a quote, desire to win like he's never had before. So out of that darkness, burst a fire and he really wants to win. Hopefully it'll enhance his accuracy. Randy, you're killing me, Smalls. Randy, you are killing me with that one, <laughs> but I understand. All right, well, let's talk about another quarterback in Kyler Murray. We know that there was a lot of dysfunction going on with Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals this offseason, his commitment to the team. And um, Steve Kime, their GM, made it clear that the Cardinals want to get a deal done with their franchise quarterback. Here's what Steve Kime had to say on Sirius XM with Adam Shine about Kyler. He said, anytime you've seen quarterbacks after their third year do contract extensions, It's generally been anywhere from about July to September. It's one of those things as we get through free agency and the draft process, it's a lot of work we put into that. So now we can take a step back, take a deep breath, refocus, and try to get something done. Like I said, Kyler's our long-term future, and there's no doubt we want to have him here in Arizona. You use the term franchise quarterback. Do you think he's a franchise quarterback yet? I don't know, and I don't know if the Arizona Cardinals know either. But I guess you have to pay the going rate Obviously, if Cleveland had to do it all over again, they found out later, too late, that Baker Mayfield wasn't a franchise or their franchise quarterback. Yeah, but, yeah, you're right. I, th- I think we just say things like that because of the the draft position of... Mm-hmm. It, it's so interesting because there's the tier one guys, you're absolutely the franchise quarterback. There's a tier two guys, about 50% of those guys you'd say, yes, you're, you're ascending, you're probably... You're, you're in a good place. You're the franchise guy. But what about the tier three guys that are guys that are effective, but they're still question marks, but they're at that space in their career where because of what the market dictates, you're going to have to pay them like That's a franchise it. quarterback, whether they are or not. I think Jared Goff was a really interesting case. I was just going to bring him up. Yeah. You go to a Super Bowl. You've done enough to help your team win, but you don't feel like the guy, but you're going to have to get paid like you're the guy. And he did more than than Kyler's done, even though I think a lot of people would make the argument that Kyler's more talented than Jared Goff is. But I I just think that the the Cardinals are in a tough spot here, even though they're saying publicly that he's the future. And I think the other thing with the Cardinals is the coach. Kingsbury and Kyler Murray are joined at the hip because of the fact that they hired Kingsbury specifically because they had the number one pick to take Kyler Murray. And 
uh, Kingsbury coached Murray in college in the past. So they probably, the Cardinals, are saying, okay, we're going down the road with this, and it might not, we, we might veer off the road, but Murray and Kingsbury are who we have hitched our wagon to. Here's Adam Schefter on Kyler Murray's options. Essentially, there are some challenges ahead with Kyler Murray because he's got some options. He can go the route of Lamar Jackson and not sign a contract and continue to try to play it out, putting pressure on the Arizona Cardinals. There are always people who thought that he could always turn back to baseball as a threat, which would be another option that a lot Mm. of other quarterbacks don't have. And then there's all sorts of other drama around the Arizona Cardinals. Let's not forget, of course, that they're a part of this lawsuit here from Steve Wilkes, one of the coaches that filed suit along with Brian Flores and Ray Horton. So we'll see what emerges there. But there are a lot of questions that'll be surrounding this team in addition to DeAndre Hopkins being suspended for the six games and the unsettled situation surrounding Kyler Murray and his contractual status that the team would like to address this summer if it could. And of all those questions, I think Murray's the biggest one. But isn't that another thing if you're the Cardinals wanting to see how he performs without Hopkins? Yeah, definitely. And you might not have the time to do that. You don't have the, the runway necessarily to figure that out because... What if he's drastically different? I mean, we talked yesterday about his QBR dropping when DeAndre Hopkins wasn't available. I think he went from the 60s to the 30s. And if even if you don't pick up the option, you still have the franchise tag. If he does great and you want to keep him around, you can use the franchise tag. And ultimately, all teams can sign quarterbacks. We don't see those guys move as free agents. And they gave him Hollywood Brown. He said, I want Hollywood Brown. They gave him Hollywood Brown. So now they can see how he performs with the guy that he wanted. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome, Randy. Coming up next, we're going to head down the stretch with What's on Tap as we had head toward a balloon party with Ajax and T-Mac on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What do you think you've given away some tickets? I would love to give away some tickets, Randy. We always like to give away Bud Bash tickets, and we're going to do so right now. As a matter of fact, every Tuesday during uh, the Cardinals homestands, they do have Bud Bash tickets, and there's a pretty cool one coming up. It's Lee Smith and David Freeze. Oh, yes. Yeah. So Good combo. Yeah, fantastic. And we have your chance to win a four-pack of tickets to Tuesday night's Bud Bash for the Cardinals and Orioles on May 10th. It's the Budweiser Bash game of 2022 and features two limited edition bobbleheads featuring Freeze and Lee Smith. Get all the details for this May 10th Budweiser Bash at cardinals.com slash promotions. And what we're going to do is give away that four-pack. And all people need to know, and it can be... Texture number, let's go with texture number 91 for Vladdy. Oh, okay? love that, because he's going to be the first blue to score tonight. He is. Well, he's the first player, period, because the blues are going to get on the board first. What did Brett Hall think that the slogan for this year's playoff team, slogan sa- slash song, should be? What did Brett Hall, 
and he actually sang it to us. What did he think the slogan slash song should be for this blues playoff run? Because he said they already went blues, so they mm-hmm. need something new. And he had a great suggestion. And if you didn't listen to the Brett Hall interview, be sure to go back and listen to it on the podcast. It's the perfect primer for you to get ready for game two tonight. And you can listen to all of the action right here on 101 ESPN with pregame starting at 730. And Randy and I are going to be in here. Well, Randy, if your voice holds up, but we're going to be in here for a pre pregame show. Looking forward to that, you and I and Alex, and that'll be fun. I think my voice will be back by then. I'll be good. Yeah, you're going to get some honey, some tea. I, yeah, I, lemon. I, some lemon. And just rest it, Randy. Don't talk to any. As someone that loses their voice mm-hmm. on a whim all the time, I could just wake up on a random Tuesday and that bad boy's gone <laughs> for me. It's a very delicate instrument. So just rest it. Don't speak at all until you join us later tonight. I'll be watching TV and drinking stuff. I'll be watching the Cardinal game, as a matter of fact. Sounds like me most nights. And here is the Cardinal lineup for today. Tommy Edmond at second base leading off. Goldie at first. Arenado moved up to the three-hole, Michelle, mm. with Albert hitting fourth wow. and DHing. Juan Yepes is in the lineup in right field in place of Dylan Carlson. He's hitting fifth. Tyler O'Neill moved down to number six in the lineup yep. in left. And then Harrison Bader, Yadi Molina is back, and Paul DeYoung is your number nine swinger. A lot of things to break down here. Interested to see Juan Yepes today in mm-hmm. right field and see what he's capable of. And another start for Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina as they get closer to that all-time battery record. That's right. So that'll be that'll be great to see. And uh, did, you, did you catch that I said... Paul DeYoung is your number nine swinger. I I didn't, Randy. Um, <laughs> he's your number nine hitter. We're going to be positive. Oh, so now he's going to hit something. Yes, we're going to be positive, right? We got to put it in the universe. Sunshine, lollipops, and yeah, yeah. Okay, I like that. So, uh, okay, Paul DeYoung hits a home run today. <gasps> is that your pick to click? That's my pick to click. Okay, let's let's do Blues and Cardinals pick okay. to click today. So I already said I think Vladdy's scoring first tonight. He's my pick to click. Do you have another option for the Blues? He had an electrifying game but didn't score on Monday. I'm going with Vucinavich. Ooh, great pick. Great pick. But either way... That line's going off. The assist is going to come from number 18. Yes. And that's what I was going to say. The man, the man, you know, w- w- the guy who got so many goals assisted from Adam Oates was, seemed to be completely fine with yeah. comparing Robert Thomas to Adam Oates. I'm going with Robert Thomas. I was on the pick to click tonight. I think he has a big game after that. My pick to click for the Cardinals, you picked Paul DeYoung mm-hmm. in a shocking selection. Randy picks Paul DeYoung as, as his pick to click on this Wednesday, May 4th. By the way, may, may the 4th be with you, you Star Wars oh, yeah. guy? Yeah. I've never seen it. I've, I, Wait, I'm, I'm not a... You said I've never seen it. There are like 14 movies. Yeah. But... So you haven't seen a single one of them? Well, no, no oh my I haven't God. either. I know, I know never, all this stuff. You've seen it. No, you've never I, seen one. Like I know about Captain Kirk and I know no! about... What? That's wrong. What's wrong? I, I know about Spock. It's unbelievable. This is a travesty. Frodo. Every time you yeah. and Joey Vitale do this, it hurts my heart. <laughs> no, that's Lord it's of unbelievable. the Rings. Oh, yeah, he hates Lord of the Rings. It's true. That also hurts. Uh, here's the thing about Star Wars. I'm sure it's fantastic. It has mm-hmm. many movies, blockbusters, legions of fans throughout the world that dress yeah. up. They are so dedicated. But it just seems like an overwhelming task for me to start now. There's all these different opinions on on the order in which you watch the movies and the timeline and which one's best. If if it was even Harry Potter, that's I I know the order. It's consumable for me. It might take mm-hmm. me a while. What is there? Seven Harry Potters? I can I can grind through wow. one through seven. I think there's seven, right? Either eight way. movies, seven. 
Books. Eight movies, seven books. There you go. I read the books back in the day. Eight hmm. movies. But how many Star Wars movies are there? There's got to be. Uh, there's the original. There's the original nine trilogy. Uh, the original nine from the three trilogies, and then there's three ancillary ones. So there's, I think there's twelve now. And the, some of them are prequels, right? Well, there's there was the original 12, three, yeah. then there's the prequel trilogy, and there's the, the sequel trilogy, and then there's um, Rogue One, and I'm I'm blanking on the other ones that are like standalones. How did we get here? I don't know, but twelve movies. May the fourth be with you. That you. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. That you could watch in different order seems overwhelming to me. And I'm just going to pass. I just like that you're aware of the fact that there's like a culture out there that watches them in a different order. Yes, because... That's the thing. I'm I'm really surprised that you've heard of that before. That's crazy. Well, two of the weirdest things about me from a content standpoint is that I've never seen Star Wars and I've never seen Seinfeld. And people that love Seinfeld and love Star Wars are very passionate about getting Mm -hmm. you to love those things as well. And so when I share that with people, they're very very upset and they want me to watch Star Wars and they want me to watch Seinfeld and then they give you their advice on how to do it and I just say who has the time to watch 12 Star Wars movies and potentially different Mm -hmm. orders I'm glad that you do and that you love it but I gotta watch games right I got a Cardinals game I got a Blues game we got stuff going on by the way today is May the 4th be with you Tomorrow is Cinco de Mayo, so we have to Americanize Mexico a little bit because they don't really worry about Cinco de Mayo. We do, and have some tacos and burritos. And Margaritas. Stuff like that. Yeah, so that'll be good. And we've got some, well, not some, we've got a special clip that will air tomorrow on Cinco de Mayo. We've already uh, pre-played it in our show meeting, and it made me laugh very hard. It's one of my favorite clips ever. You probably know what it is, and we're going to play it tomorrow. Yeah. We're also going to have something really special tomorrow. We're going to be uh, talking about... Um, Raising some money for charity, obviously Cinco de Mayo, Chris Duncan's birthday. So there's, we're gonna be we're gonna be um, giving out we're gonna be getting out the link for the people to buy those shirts, so that all the money can go to charity, so people can get some of those Chris Duncan shirts. We're gonna have a couple clips too, because obviously we got we got to honor our boy Chris Duncan. Yes. absolutely. Can I give you my picture click before we go? Yep, let's do it. It's Albert Pujols. Good call. Albert Pujols is due. He's my picture click. Got a standing old last night in Kansas City too, so that was great. It's my guy. Let's go. Great job by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Thank you. Pleasure. Michelle, this was great. How do you like my lady love voice? <laughs> should we mm-hmm. reveal Brett Hall's answer before we go? Oh, yeah, we should. Speaking of singing. Yep. Maybe we'll come up with, uh, here we go again. Remember that song? Who was that? Uh, here, here we, we go. go. Oh, Dolly, Dolly Parton. Parton. Dolly Parton, oh, yeah. Oh, I love it. Again. <laughs> <laughs> can we that get was a, the answer. Can we get a here we go again from you on the way out? A deep here we go again? Yeah, I would love it. Here we go again. Outstanding. For all of us, thanks for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Until tomorrow morning at 7, or in Michelle and I's case, tonight at 6. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. 
Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.